hey, I just want to tell you about some live shows that are going to be happening in the very near future. Those Conspiracy Guys is kind of going on the road. Got some live shows coming up in October and November. I'm heading all the way to London. I'm going to do a show in Bush Hall in London on Sunday the 6th of October. I'm also in Cork for the Cork Podcast Festival in the Kino Theatre on Saturday the 12th of October. I'm in Waterford at the Open Minds Conference, the third one, uh, in Dooley's Hotel on the 10th of November. And I'm back in the Sugar Club in Dublin for the Dublin Podcast Festival that's going to be going on all the way through November. My night is the 13th, it's a Wednesday night, good old midweek crack in the Sugar Club. So that's the 6th of October, 12th of October. 10th of November, 13th of November, choke them dates down. If you want to go see me in London, which is the most recent gig that's coming up, uh, 6th of October, it's a Sunday night in Bush Hall Theatre in Shepherd's Bush. It's going to be mega good crack. The tickets are nearly gone for that, so if you want to get on there real quick, the link is in the description below. And uh, I look forward to seeing you all in person. There's going to be a big presentation, bit of crack, interaction with the crowd. I'm going to have a guest for each show, and we're also going to have a Q&A at the end. So bring your questions, bring your uh, your good crack hats and uh, get ready for a feed of drink and conspiracies here's the show enjoy Hello and welcome to another Dose Conspiracy Guys. This time we're talking about the uh, the the human tanner, the uh, the nipple belt maker himself, uh, the butcher of Plainfield, uh, Mister Ed Gein. There's <laughs> there's not there's not enough uh, superlative adjectives for disgusting that you could say superlative synonyms for disgusting that you could say about this guy like the stuff he did it was so like unexpected totally unexpected uh there's loads of movies made about the character of ed gein and uh, the awful stuff that he did and to join me in uh, delving deep into the history the life and the motivations of ed gein is uh who i would consider probably my 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 comedy father my my the darth vader to my luke skywalker actor improviser uh and most of all comedian uh and vladimir Ilyich yulinov lenin lookalike winner uh 2001 to 2009 mr gary lynch thank you gordo thanks for having me in it's great to have you here man i'm really delighted to be here uh we spent many a long night uh over years and years standing in basements in the dark telling stories of our dicks to strangers if we were lucky they were strangers <laughs> sometimes we just sat there telling jokes our stories of our dicks to each other yeah i they were t- i mean it doesn't make the stories any less good but it's just uh yeah we had you had the underground comedy club for the, the longest time the underground comedy club in uh thomas reed thomas reed downstairs in thomas reed's in dane street some nightclub that it used to turn into a nightclub at the end of the show yeah Sometimes while we were still on stage. Actually, a couple of times while we were still on stage, it was like, okay, I'm talking here. No, you're not. Yeah. Get off. A lot of good-looking Brazilians come in and say, why does he tell so much story about his dick? Yeah, exactly, yeah. He's I, talking I, about his dick all night. I, I, I never knew the club existed, the, the nightclub existed, and I don't know if it still does or what the hell's going on there. But that was that was a good time. A weird, awesome place that the walls of that place hold secrets. 
Never to be told. They do, yeah. There's a lot of uh, a lot of really good nights down there. Yeah, big time with some uh, some some villains of and heroes of comedy as well. <laughs> Mostly villains. <laughs> now everyone's a villain. All yeah. it takes is an accusation. So um, you are a, a prolific uh, performer. Uh, over the last few years, you've performed all over England I'm and a, Ireland. I'm a pro life performer. Pro life performer. Uh, he's going to <laughs> he's going to perform whether you like it or not. And uh, you've done Edinburgh m- multiple times. Multiple the times. The Comedy Gauntlet. Yeah, the Comedy Gauntlet. Uh, yeah, since 2011, I've, I've done Edinburgh uh, all month, every year. That's, fuck me, man. Yeah, that's, it's savage. I mean, the most, the most that's like those really, really old dudes who do like marathons and it's just, it's a breeze to them. They're just like, oh yeah. And they're like, I can't run the length of myself. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, th- those marathon runners, they, they, they get something out of it. I don't know why I actually do it. I just do <laughs> well, it. Well, I'm not saying that you're like an outlad running the marathon, but you go over there... And you're not like, you know, these 21-year-old fresh-faced young fellas who'll drink all month. Like, you'll drink like you are in the auditions to get into the Dubliners. Yeah. For 28 days straight and perform as well and flyer all day. Yeah. I mean, my, it's my, fucking hardcore over there. It is. It is hardcore. My records, I, I, I recounted it. It was 2012. I think I did 137 appearances. Oh my god! Of uh, in different shows and all Dif- apart from your own different Fuck. shows, uh, my own. Like some of the spots were five minutes. Some of them were my hour. Some of them were half hours to fifteen minutes. And but you, you get into it. it's like uh, it's it's like you know they say you you can boil a frog by putting it into a bucket of, a pot of cold water, heating it gradually. And it's only at the end when you realise. And I remember we were <laughs> me, Robert Coyle, Andrew Gilmore were, were running a gig. At, I think it was at one o'clock in the morning. It started. <laughs> And my first That's, gig it started at it started one in the morning. morning. And my first gig had been at quarter past one in the afternoon, and I've been out flying and uh, like whatever seven or, eight or depending on spots between. And we were drinking all day, and we were actually congratulating ourselves, Jenny Mac, we're great, aren't we? Because we've been drinking all day and we're not even drunk. I know, yeah, well, it's brilliant. Oh yeah. And then somebody videoed us performing on one of the nights in that club, and I was like. I'm <laughs> gone. Like he had brain damage. Like a brain damage, and it just, just photographs of me actually hanging out of steel girders, presenting that show, hanging out. And we thought we were sober, and when we were listening back to ourselves, we were going another another three days of living like that, we'd have probably died. Yeah, that sounds like the whole time I was doing comedy in Dublin. Like yeah. I have really, really fond memories, but I think they're things that I made up to tell myself that it's okay. You, you probably haven't got as memory memories, memory memories as you could have had. Yeah, I remember the night that we were <laughs> that I was headlining, and you guys were flashing the lights. You and Kevin were flashing the lights to get me off the stage, and I literally stamped my foot like a petulant child, and I said, "I get off this stage when the fucking lights come on, and not a minute before." This is my show, and almost immediately the lights came on, and Kevin yeah. turned, and Kevin turned on, turned on all the lights, and said, "Get the fuck out!" <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's, it was a different time, a different world. Yeah, good yeah. times though, good times. It was. Yeah, you, 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 you know, you, you, you know, you say you look back with rose tinted spectacles. Yeah, uh, which you do, and I know I do, but it's actually genuinely. At the time, we knew they were great times, so we're not we're not retrospectively thinking, "Hey, it wasn't that great when we thought it was terrible." Yeah. They they were great. They were at like, the time, oh, man, we knew they were great. I wish we were as we could be as irresponsible now yeah. as we were back then. Yeah, big yeah. time, a good time. Um, so we were looking at loads of Ed Gein stuff uh, in preparation for this show. Uh, the governor, you mean? Yeah, fucking hell, man. Uh, before we go any further, though, where can people find you online? Because they're going to be dying to get onto you. Um, well, you're on, I, you're on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore. Why? 
because I Twitter's got, the place to be, man, for you. Come on. Yeah, you know what? I, I never got any traction on Twitter, so I never got any followers. You and, uh, have you have the right, the fucking saucy opinions now. That's where it lives, man. Get on um, to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go back on Twitter, right? Okay. So Gary Lynch Dublin is my Twitter handle. Gary Lynch Dublin. I put the link in the description below. And I'll get back on Twitter. Check that shit out for some controversial tweets. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Facebook, but I usually just post pictures of my uh, grandchildren. And within the same hour posts, you know, really controversial and unpopular political and misogynist posts. And then I stick another <laughs> picture of my grandchildren going, ah, and the blow. And they're lovely. So yeah, it's like a puppy doing a Nazi salute. It's like it's like my Facebook account is being run by two very different people <laughs> <laughs> who sort of get they they, they timeshare my Facebook. <laughs> you lost you lost uh, like a phone that was logged into your Facebook account somewhere in Luton, and there's just some yeah <laughs> some racist guy who was just no no I'm the racist oh, one. No. He's, he's the <laughs> he's nice the one. Dude. He's the nice one. He's putting up pictures yeah, of his yeah, grandkids. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so Gary Lynch Dublin on Twitter and you're on Facebook. Have you got like a comedian page or is it? No, just Gary Lynch. Um, We're going to have to get you a fucking website now, man. You know, you know what? I'm so, I'm so bad at this. you got to be better. We'll, we'll do it together. Will you help me, Gary? Yes, I, I'll help you. I've, help me to I, change. I, I've jumped out on a few lads now that are left behind in the digital frontier. Oh, you know what? I, I st- I've been like, here's a website. Here's a fucking thing. Do this and this. I, mean, I, got, I, I got an iPhone from my job and I, I've had it six weeks. And I only got to activate it today because I just, I just, I just find all this stuff tiresome. I, st- I still think, and I don't mean mobile phones. I still think telephones are an absolute miracle. I didn't make a phone call till I was sixteen years old. Wow! <laughs> and in order to make that phone call, they wouldn't let you have one in the institution. The institution, the institute, <laughs> the institute. <laughs> but uh, I made my first phone call when I was sixteen, and in order to make that phone call, I had to go down the far end of my street. <laughs> to the to the neighbor who had the phone. I'm hearing this in in uh, what's his name in uh, not Stanley Tucci. What's his name from Goodfellas? My fucking mind, man. I've done too many issues. Like my recall Polly. is terrible. Yeah, what's the guy? Henry. 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 Oh, Tommy. Yeah. What's no 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 Henry? What, what's Henry the, Hill. Yeah. What's the character? What's the actor that does his? Oh, uh, Ray uh, Liotta. I'm hearing this whole thing there with Ray Liotta's voice, where he's just like. Gary That's used to it. go down the road That's with exactly a quarter to make a phone call. He didn't like anyone listening in when he was talking on the phone. That's exactly it. But yeah. um, so you you have two twopenny pieces because a phone call costs four p, regardless <laughs> of duration, apparently. But then in in school, you, you know those old phones with the you see them in the old films where you got the A button and the B button. Mm. They were great because you you never had to pay for a phone call once you learned how to use them. You tap on the phone, did you hear that? Yeah. That's what you see. Call anybody. Just tap, tap, tap them in. Tap them in. And you'd have to ring in, and then you go like, "Can I have Ratgar four one five pushing you through now, caller?" No, I'm not that old girl. <laughs> you just no, you just go. It's a, no, it's like uh, let's say it's like when Mel Gibson woke up in the that that movie, uh, um, Young at Heart, I think it's called. Or you know where he gets? He oh gets, yeah, he gets put into cryostasis. Yeah, and then he wakes up and he's ringing on the phone and he's like. Can you put me through? <laughs> yeah. Gary's like, that, what's, that? what's that now you want? Oh, one. Oh, one. What does that mean? What is that? I, mean, I can remember the, st- the swap shop phone number from the 1970s. <laughs> Ringing into the TV. Oh, one eight oh one eight double five five. 855 Run the W12 <laughs> That's the last thing you're going to call out just before you die and everyone thinks it's going to be the combination to the safe. Exactly, yeah. There's nothing in my safe. <laughs> Uh, I'm saving up for a safe. So they're going to find John Lyon. Used, used to do that. Used to do that. So let's say somebody's phone number was eight. Yeah. Right? The Windows built nine phones. You just go with the, the button, you 
Then it was it was seven. Seven. And that's your free phone calls. Did it ring true with the taps? Yeah. Because what the when you when you turn the old dial, circular dial, it would you let's say it makes seven connections with it. Make seven clicks. Yeah. You just you just create the seven clicks and the phone thought the the dial was going back around. Great But sure that's how hacking started. It was all phone hacking. They were all lads with phone cards and they were hacking into people's phones, fax machines. Yeah, yeah. That's how, like, computer hacking was originally phone jacking. We'll do a whole episode on that. We did one on um, WikiLeaks and Snowden and Assange a while ago. Yeah. And uh, talked a small bit about that. But uh, definitely we could go into something a bit deeper. Yeah. Get you back in to hack a few phones. So if people are to find you online, you're on Twitter, at Gary Lynch Dublin. You're on Facebook. Uh, have you an Instagram? I have to get you an Instagram. Man. I have an Instagram. I don't know, I don't know the name of it. We put in, I'll find it after we put it in the link. Yeah, below. I haven't put any pictures up. Jeez, <laughs> man, we got to get <laughs> you fucking sorted out. <laughs> Holy shit, we God, have to get a social media hospital for you. I can't wait to catch up in the 80s. <laughs> it's all going back to the 80s now. It's all yeah. vaporwave and shit. So for, for Ed Gein, we looked into a lot of Ed Gein over, over the last week or so. Um, a lot of, lot of rotten pictures. A lot of nipple belts and fucking, some, you know. Some, some fairly grisly pictures. Shit hanging up, a, a tit vest and all this kind of stuff. So b- before we started looking into it, like, was there, I guess for you... You, you know, you were maybe uh, uh, alive when the movies like Psycho and, well, not Psycho, maybe, not Psycho, but no, um, no, no. Chainsaw Massacre, that was in your, your head. What, what year were you born? 1970? 64. 64. So like, you were like, you were in, in your teens in, in yeah, maybe 11 or 12 when Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out and you were like, oh, let's go see that. Well, I, I, I'm not sure I was actually uh, ever got to see it in, in the pictures. But I mean, it was one of those things. It was so off the charts compared to anything else, because you had you had like it was horror, extreme, yeah. And I was like, oh, wowzers! Uh, it just seems. I mean, I'm not great at horror films anyway. I get, I get, I genuinely. And I used to make a joke about this, but genuinely, I did have a nightmare once after an episode of Scooby Doo. Oh shit, man! You Serio. shouldn't be doing this show. So man. I'm not. I'm this not going to get weird. But you know, I, 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 stuff like stuff like some like legends like Ed. You know what I mean? The greats. Yeah, Dahmer, uh, Ted Bundy. Yeah, so... Not, John Wayne Gacy. The, the, the true horror the true horror stories, they don't scare me. Like, they might make me uneasy, but horror films terrify me. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre was so different from anything else. Like, even stuff like The Exorcist and The Omen and all that crack from yeah. that era. They were sufficiently zany or, you know, whatever, you know, spiritual or religious. That they didn't feel like... They were scary, but they didn't disturb. But in reality, when you saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that was just so physical, and you actually felt like I, I could actually meet someone like this. Yeah, I mean, it, it was based on on Ed Gein, exactly, so it's yeah. a, a thing that could have happened. You're talking about like the the fairy tale, like the artificiality of say the exorcist it's like yeah. ah you could never see a young one turn her head around and wanking off at the cross and then getting sick. I mean, of the I, no, but I, I I had actually. Before that, seeing a girl turn her head around and masturbating with a cross in real life, but uh, now on a, uh, on a jollier time, on a jollier. But no, but you, you, yeah, you, you know. First of all, I'm never going to meet the American ambassador, so I'm never going to have his his demon child yeah. going across my path. And you know, stuff like it's you know, all for you, Gary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, so this is not about supernatural, supernatural yeah. horror. This is about there are people in real life out there who are this dangerous and invariably and it, they have fucked up relationships with their just, mother you just gotta hope you just gotta hope you're not the one they run into on a, on a, a bad day when they've 
they've seen somebody who reminds them of their, their late mother. You can understand um, how, like I've had some, some ladies on this show and we do these true crimes and mm-hmm. like they invariably go like, yeah, it's scary. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty scary. And they're like, no, no, no. Like it's actually like you're a six foot, 300 odd pound man. Like they're not going to fucking do that to you. <laughs> they're like, I'm five foot five, you know. Ah. 100, 100 pound female like they will fuck me up or fuck me or keep yeah, me yeah. in the basement for 10 years the worst that could happen to me is they'd going to catch me and put me in a big deep pit and starve me for a while and then make my skin into like a waistcoat yeah maybe that's the worst of it but it's, it's like um see i i i've I never really had a fascination for these i mean you know i mean it's it's always it's good laugh reading these stories right but uh Ed himself was quite a fan of murder magazines and all that crack. Yeah, he was mad into it. Yeah, and I remember all my life, you go into a shop, any shop, and uh, there's all these murder, true murder, true, true crime. crime. Yeah, it's always been a thing. It's and just I've blown up in any, podcasting. I've never seen anybody way. actually physically take one off a shelf. Never. Have you ever seen anyone physically take a porno off the shelf? Yeah. Did they look guilty? That was me. Oh. <laughs> But again, that's, another, a mirror right beside that's another thing. I mean, it, newsstand. I, I, when I was younger, I used to go mad that you can't buy, you can't buy a porno mag in in, in, in Ireland. And then when you could, I'd gone. There's no way I'm going to reach up to that shelf and present a porno mag to some some young one, a young behind the counter. Because they know exactly what you're doing with it. Yeah, exactly. But that, that's the thing. You see, you had you had your uh, Ted Bundy's who who as a young boy yeah. would quote unquote find porn um, in <laughs> in the ditch or you know in a, in a car park somewhere. And he was talking to, like, his last days were, were done talking about the evils of porn and what it made him do yeah. later on. You know, it, it, it inflamed his sexual ardor and made him, like, be... Because uh, porn is so violent. You like, genuinely... You gen- and this is... He's, he's not lying. Armstrong and Miller did a sketch about him, must be 20 years ago. You genuinely used to find porn. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember doing that. Like, you found... Under a bush somewhere. Like, an old, an old magazine and... Yeah. You, you know... Some of the pages might be stuck together, but that was just the rain or whatever. That was like, yeah, obviously the rain, yeah. Or, you know, but Some I, residue, I, I snail remember, residue. I always remember being, so, that's a result, but I kind of got, I just couldn't, who on earth throws away porn? Well, it's hard enough to just, get, why would you throw it away? You get, you get desensitized, so you're like, nah, I'm finished with that. Yeah. Do you know? Go back to your old favourites. But did Bundy, but, but did the Bundy thing, the blame point is, porn? Or, that's or, the thing. Was but he Bundy was blaming porn and he had he had this like Christian pastor in talking to him and, and Bundy just wanted airtime before he's dead like this is a week before he was getting the chair right so it turns out that the porn quote unquote that he was talking about was actually like these um really graphic true crime magazines where right. the women were trussed up like turkeys but they were naked and they were being stabbed and stuff like that so it was like bdsm true crime kind of titillation stuff you know yeah i i, I, I mean i i have i have actually you know i do know people who have bought them obviously they have to, to survive but uh, the magazines, I mean, not yeah. the victims. But uh, <laughs> just to get one off, I, like. I have read them. I, I actually kind of go, hmm. You know, I, I read it. It was like, yeah, it's quite unpleasant, and I can't imagine I will now go and start reading this stuff. Yeah, but it, it, it obviously really appeals to a dark part of people. I think there's a lot of people who are listening to true crime podcasts and stuff now. Like, there's been an explosion in in true crime. Yeah, uh, I could name you fucking twenty podcasts that I've been yeah in contact with or that I listen to myself that are, you know, all about the different murderers going. And it's a it's a whole thing now. It might peter off after a while, but it's at peak true crime right now. Yeah, yeah. and I want you, want you to get to, past forty on the telly as well. There's an awful lot of that yeah. stuff. 
t- uh, classic movies and a lot of Lifetime stuff. It's all, all that like stuff, yeah. The boy who exploded. But there's a lot of stuff like um, uh, diving into the mind behind murderers, right? Yeah. And I think now is the time where the world is kind of falling apart like a wet cake. Right. And everybody's looking to go like, why are people doing this to each other? Like, what's the what's the thinking behind this psychopathy where you don't care about other people? So they look into stuff like murderers and like, mm. you know, serial rapists and, you know, crazy fucking stories of people doing mad shit. And I mean, conspiracy theories in itself, like we, we did an episode on the Dyatlov Pass, you know? Yeah. And the mystery of a whole lot of people dying and going missing is super intriguing because they're like, it could happen to me. We could end up like, think about all the zombie porn. Like there's literally, it's not zombie porn. It's not like, oh, suck my dick. It's like, uh, <laughs> there's there's a, a massive swath of, of zombie uh, media after being produced in the last 20 years. Right. Way more than when George A. Romero was doing it in the 80s and you had your Dawn of the Dead's Dead, Dead's yeah, Night yeah. of the Living Dead's. From like 2000, maybe 2001 or two, when 9-11 happened and the world was fucked. The world was fucked. And then the next thing, we have a, a global economic crash. Like, well, remember 9-11, the people walking away are running away from it. Look it at was like zombies. a zombie movie. Yeah, and people are so, it was a, it was a global trauma. that Everyone was so traumatized by this thing because they didn't realize it could happen. And now there's like a fucking war in Afghanistan that's gone on for 17 years. P- kids are getting fucking exploded in Yemen. Mm. You have Israelis shooting Palestinian children with sniper rifles when they're walking along with a fucking shopping bag with a sandwich in it. They're just like thump and opening children up on the border. Like, right? Like there's horror going on in real life every day. I remember day. when 9-11 happened, I wasn't in the least bit traumatized. I was watching it live. I was in work. Even a, even a tiny bit? No, it was kind of like, wowzers. This is this is big. This is bad. Yeah, I, I don't remember. It didn't surprise me. No, I know. Well, I, what I mean me, is, what I, I mean is like the global trauma of not everyone being like, oh my god, but there was so many people who were, oh my god, especially Americans. But like the geopolitical, socioeconomic, yeah. like inter interrelational trauma. Yeah, where you'd be like, well, I mean, they probably deserved it. Are fuck Muslims? Are you gonna kill that Bin Laden? Like there was like a whole load of dichotomies of thought and feeling. So it was like a global trauma. Everyone was like, zombies, man. Uh, uh, Let's get into zombies. Let's all fucking pull ourselves off to the thought that the world might end. Now it's been kind of amalgamated or or morphed into um, Thanos, you know, from the Marvel comic universe. So he comes out, Thanos has has the glove and he just goes and he clicks his fingers and half the people in the universe disappear. Because in his mind, he's like, we there's too many people and not enough resources. We have to get rid of all the people. And when he clicks his fingers on that glove, yeah, like he can literally make his wishes come true. And everyone's asking, like, well, why didn't he just double the resources? <laughs> but <sighs> what he did was half the population. And it's taken up such a massive fandom. Like there's uh, communities online that are like, yeah, fucking Thanos did nothing wrong. Like, yeah, he, you know, half the population, like, fuck everybody. We did an episode on the Georgia Guidestones where it's like, Let's reduce the population of the planet down to 500 million right. in order to perpetuate the human species. There's too many of us. There's not enough people. There's not enough food for the people. Um, you know, there's not enough resources to keep these people going. And loads of them are being born into horrible poverty or, yeah. you know, geopolitical disasters or war zones. And there's loads of women in Africa, like getting buried up to their neck in sand and getting stones fucked at their heads. You know, there's loads of kids oh, being yeah. born in China and then being fucking harvested for their organs. Like, m- mad atrocities. So for people to look into stuff like Ed Gein, where, you know, 
he takes like 15, he kills 15 women and turns them into furniture. It's like, ooh, that's a thing that happened and it's nothing to do with me and it's well, not it, happening just, right just now. Just to anyway. clarify, just a, you know, in a, in a, 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 a Judge Kavanaugh moment. <laughs> he didn't kill them. He was only, he was only found <laughs> guilty of, of two. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, it deserves to have his reputation. Sure, sure. Sorry, Ed. Sorry, Don't, do the not steal dynasty. that man's reputation. Sure. But I mean, like, you know, it seems like a sick and fucked up thing to do and people are trying to get their mind around it. And then maybe in some way, if they can understand that, then they can live in the world a little bit better. They can maybe. walk through their town and bump into someone and say, oh, sorry, and have that person go, go fuck yourself. And they're like, oh. yeah. and it won't ruin their day because they're like, oh, you probably have like a whole lot of shitty trauma happening in your life. Yeah. I was, I was, I was looking at your thing the other night called the, the Lost Manson Tapes. Did you see that? No. Wow. Interviews of Charlie Manson? No, it was um, a filmmaker went out to the Span Ranch Amazing. a few days after and interviewed the, the members of the family who were still there. Like this is maybe a week after the, in the in the following weeks, interviewing all these people after the murders around. Like everybody, nobody, nobody was denying that they, they happened that they were that they did them, and the perfect contentment that these people had that this had been done. Yeah, it was one of the most spooky things I've ever seen. And I, I wish if I had a gun, I'd have gone and found every one of them and fucking killed them. They were ready to begin the race war. Yeah. They had. They thought that this was the start of this whole thing. Yeah. Like, they're ready for an Armageddon. Mm. And they're ready for anarchy, for nihilism, for destruction of yeah. society as it is, in order to build something better. But they can't, a lot of the people who dream for that stuff can't understand that, like, in order to have a brand new society, you're going to have to almost completely destroy the yeah. one that we have now, yeah. rather than getting into it and changing it slowly over time. Because nobody wants slow change over time. If they did, there wouldn't be fucking gyms. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, people just, if you could take a tablet and, you know, look I, like I, look I, like Mac from Always Sunny in Philadelphia in the newest season I, 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 in I a think, minute. I think these people think as well that uh, there is a great society, or the great society, ready. If only we can just shift this one out of the way. Yeah. That will that will emerge, and, and that's suddenly, always been the way. Yeah, and suddenly nicer people will be running things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's kind of the politics of the left, where it's like there's a lot of nihilism, there's a lot of you know self destruction, there's yeah, a lot of yeah. stuff like that, where they're they're trying to bring on these dreams of an apocalypse in some way. Mm. They're going like, let's tear down the whole thing, let's smash all the Starbucks windows and wear black and do all this kind of stuff. Um, smash the patriarchy smash the pale male and stale because they're <laughs> because they're waiting for the next thing and armageddon is there because life now is so fucking hard and i think true crime is talking about stuff like ed Gein kind of goes like ah jesus <laughs> we don't have it that bad we weren't made into a belt do you know yeah i, I think as well a bit I, of an alleviation i of think pressure. as well like ed ed's ed's from like uh well 60 years ago with the story yeah, I the guess. 50s and it was so it was so crazy back then like way more crazy way more crazy but it's, it's interesting to remove like if you know if this happened if there was a new story came out tomorrow it's kind of like oh this is very real but the 40 you go back in time like ed is 60 years ago jack the ripper is double that yeah and Just, then if you go back another 50 years from that people were dying in their late 20s early 30s from traveling from one state in america to another yeah just traveling, like if you went with a group of 60 people from one town to another town, half of you would die. And it was like, ah, they're dead. Exactly, yeah. But then it, it, it's like, like... it didn't become s such a big deal. But you can laugh about Ed now, right? Well, well or, you know... We can laugh, a, we can laugh. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, okay. But it's, it's 
it's so far back in time that it's like Jack the Ripper. You can go on tours of Jack the Ripper in London. Jack yeah. the Ripper tours. And have people dress up as him yeah. and it's so frivolous. And it's funny. Yeah. And people, you know, to go to Ed's Ed's former, you know, town and there is a, a mortar industry out there, but something brand new. It yeah. takes a long time before people go, okay, now let's do, let's do the, the Madeleine McCann tour, you know, let's retrace our steps and charge yeah. a 30 quid with a guided uh, in 16 languages, you know. There's nobody dressing up like the lads from Columbine for exactly, Halloween, yeah. like. Well, there probably are, but. Now there are. Yeah. Cause we have a t-shirt on our tea public store, actually, that's rat was Dylan Klebold was wearing when he yeah. shot everybody up. <laughs> cool. Boy that, boy that. But yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Like nobody's, but like, I remember in uh, October 2001, I went to a Halloween party dressed as the Taliban. Yeah. In October, yeah, yeah, after like only a few, like maybe five weeks after nine eleven, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, that's bad, man." Yeah. I'm like, I tell you what's bad is trying to drink a pint through this fucking scarf. <laughs> 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 they were like, "That's not cool." It's <laughs> not cool, man. A t-shirt with the twin towers on it. Yeah, but like that's you know that's comedy. Yeah, it's tragedy plus time. But the thing with the, like these Ed, Ed Gein and all these all these other, all these other heads. These are the only the ones that were exposed, and people have this thing that the, the now that, like you said a moment ago, like apocalypse and all that crack. Yeah, in ter- I think in terms of general history, this ain't such a bad time, really. It's not really, but we're more aware for white of people in the West. It's it's a great time. Well, the thing is, like some like Yemen, a lot of people some, having like, some, some shit. Some like if Yemen was happening even thirty years ago, forty years ago, would we heard about it? And even now, we don't hear an awful lot about it. Yeah, but I think we're more aware of stuff now. But stuff like Ed Gein and all these characters, this stuff was going on all the time. People, and again, people just disappeared, and there's no, there's no internet. You couldn't no. stick, you couldn't stick a badly, badly taken photograph of them in the paper. No, it's always a badly taken photograph. Always, always fuzzy. So basically, if you if you want to avoid getting kidnapped, get a high quality photograph taken, <laughs> because those people never get kidnapped. They're too afraid to be but, found. But, but in those days, it was like high people, definition milk people, cartons. People moved on, people left, and a percentage of them were just killed in varyingly gruesome ways, and nobody ever knew they were even dead. Like I found, since we're doing these true crimes for the last maybe two years of the show, yeah, uh, I wanted to take on some of the smaller, uh, some of the smaller cases. Like Madeleine McCann technically is a true crime episode, mm. and we did it about two and a half, three hours at the time it was in season one. But some of them are not like the seven, eight hour massive documentary epics that we usually do on those right. conspiracy guys. Yeah. So they're smaller. Like this one is, is will be over like quite quickly, yeah, because uh, there's not a mass amount to delve into it, right. But like most of the, the serial killers that we've looked at over the last five, six months uh-huh. have been from 1967 to 1973 or four. Right. And they were all mostly in America. One of them was Chikatilo, Andrew Chikatilo from Russia, who was, oh, yeah. the, he was in the 80s. But it was a really bad time in in Russia at the time because they were coming into like perestroika. Yeah, into. yeah. So like the worst time possibly for culture, society and, and the national... I guess that the mental health of the nation, the national mental health at the time right. was probably at its worst between 1967 and 1973. You had revolution around every corner. Right. You had like National Guard killing kids in university car parks. You had the Vietnam War. And for the first time, footage of war being sent home to domestic yeah, yeah. news media, people were fucking seeing like their, their countrymen being blown up in bits and you know, fucked up shit. Then you had like the abandonment of the Bretton Woods, like gold standard. You had the pe- the oil crisis, peak oil Absolutely. crisis. I remember the oil up. crisis as well. Then you had Nixon being like fucking 
fucking up the whole place. Like the economy was in a crash. Like the whole world was in a depression. It was it was nightmare times. And similar now with we were talking before the show the similarities between Nixon and Trump. He's been vilified the last time that like the Democrats and the mainstream media and all these people aligned was to to all push against Nixon and his yeah. policies or whatever. Yeah, and true crime or the fascination with murders was at an all-time high. And now I'd say if you saw it on a graph, you know, if there was Google searches from 1967 to 1973, Uh, the the Google searches would would match or exceed. Your your, your Google search would be the circulation of those books and those magazines. That that would be uh, retrievable, that information. Yeah, like you have you have your Ted Bundy, your John Wayne Gacy, your Jeffrey Dahmer, your son of Sam. You have Charlie Manson, the Manson family. Like all of this stuff is happening within five, six years. Now I wonder as well as well then as all the deaths of the people from the Twenty Seven Club, like Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, the Beatles broke up. Like there was so much cultural trauma, cultural and social societal trauma at in those years that people were like. What the fuck? What the, and it really indelibly marked society. Well, I, th- I think as well. Um, you know, I, I wonder was there a massive proliferation in serial killers, or was it just it became? They I'd, were I'd focused. Say, I'd say, yeah, That's I'd say, what I'm saying. I'd say, yeah. I'd say it's probably both. Yeah, because obviously this this generates some stuff. But uh, I think possibly why this seems such a traumatic period because you know post the sixties, you know the Beatles invasion and all that stuff. You know, you know Summer of Love and all that crack. That all came crashing down really spectacularly quickly. And reality kicked in. Reality kicked in. And I think because people thought, oh, Age of Aquarius, the world is now becoming a better place. There has been a revolution of thought and love and all this crack. Now, that's obviously, uh, you know, within a small, but in in terms of the the zeitgeist, if the the shitegeist, I like to call it, (laughs) there was a feeling of real optimism. And then. Manson happened. Then you know the Altamont, the Stones concert, yeah. uh, Hell's Angels stabbed a kid to death. You know the whole Nixon thing, and all the, all this stuff came along. And I think if if the, if a lot of this stuff had happened during a normal period in history, it would have been oh this is really bad. But because it came right after such a real mood of optimism, yeah, that was like this is literally like the, the you know the pulling the wool from sorry pulling the rug from under everybody's feet. And do you think that's happening now with like Obama and this idyllic, you know, looking into the future and it was going to be Obama, then Hillary. And now there's like a massive trauma for the last two years. People on the ground, like screaming at the sky because Trump is in and oh, that protests do. and social movements. That, and was, all this that stuff. was hilarious because, I mean, that was if I first of all, I thought I thought Trump was a shield for Clinton. I thought this guy is actually just trying to sabotage the Republicans by getting himself as the candidate because he cannot and be elected and yeah. hand, it to, hand it to Clinton. I genuinely thought he was a shield for Clinton. That's a real conspiracy guy. That's pretty conspiracy. Conspiracy. Yeah. conspiracy But I'm not a massive Obama fan. Uh, I think he got away with, I think he got a pass on lots of stuff because he was black. And the idea that Hillary Clinton was beloved of the people and all she needed to be do was crowned or coronated, whatever, whatever you call it. She lost the she lost the, the nomination to an unknown man eight years earlier, Obama. Yeah. Oh great. And now here we go again. She's now eight years further removed from her political prominence from the, the Clinton era. Yeah. And she's the one for us. Absolutely crazy. But that's gonna like it's like the entitlement of, of that. I'm yeah. next. I'm I I, I I listened to my husband shagging interns in the in the room next door. I Back to Obama once, and I've been this 
bigger. She was the custodian of America, turn. Secretary of turn. State. She's like, I, I know how to do it. Yeah, and... But I'm saying about the idyllic period of those eight years that Obama was in, everyone's like, the economy's getting better and, you know, everything's great and there's loads more stuff and all. And now when the numbers are actually there for the economy getting great, they're going, yeah, that's not Trump, that's Obama. Like yeah. there's, like you said, the rug has been pulled out from under a lot of people in America. Yeah. Despite like fake news, alternative facts, uh, but ne- you have you ne- have ne- an ne- idyllic time like it was like the 60s and everyone's like yeah you know we're in prosperity and growth and everyone's being cool after a period of you know uh, like a downturn but you know what i love about it it's it's this this is real amnesia after the golden era of the obama period trayvon martin yeah that was during the golden period, you know what i mean so yeah. just this idea that the obama period was great it wasn't you know pigs in blankets and all that crack just like the 70s, people no, are looking back at the 60s going, how cool was that? Yeah, like, and the 60s weren't that cool. I mean, there was a, ma- a massive era of prosperity yeah. in the 50s, yeah. similar to the early 2000s. Yeah. And then at the end of the 50s, going into the 60s, there was a small bit of a dip. Yeah. Pretty big dip. And then you had like this period where everybody's like, you know, getting back on, austerity, you know, mm. we're back to our roots and it's, you know, this whole yeah. culture thing, same in the, in the mid to late t- uh, teens of the 2000s until now. It's yeah. the same thing. So we're living at the end of the sixties now, and fucking shit is crazy. We're having it's a repeating cycle. So the times when serial killers were so prominent back then is when people are looking at this stuff, going like, "Fuck, I need to have something that makes my life feel not so shit." Let's look at all these murderers. And it was famous in the news, and Son of Sam was killing girls in in New York and stuff. And now, yeah, we're looking at all this awful stuff. Like we have to, we're recording this um, in the future. Uh, uh, you're listening to this from the past, basically. Uh, <laughs> um, so we have uh, right now, as we're recording this, the, the whole stuff about Brett Kavanaugh is going on, and everyone's just like, "Oh, focus totally on that," and that's totally dominating the news when there's loads of other stuff happening in the world. But because that's such a an emotive thing yeah, for yeah. people to argue about, and it's really getting on, like getting under some people's skin. Like, there's w- way more news going on, but they're just not focused on it because they want to look at the worst thing to feel the most feelings from whichever side they feel it from. And yeah, and it's like, you know, decent rational people are looking at are looking at this whole thing and going, it doesn't matter what uh Kavanaugh says, it doesn't matter what Blasey Ford says, they've gone in, they're on they're on one side. Yeah. And you know, they might as well, you know, listen to their headphones while the evidence is taken. Mine is made up. Yeah. So what I'm saying is about Ed Guy he was so shocking at the time because this was a time of golden prosperity this is like the 50s in america white picket fence 2.4 dogs and yeah you know the, the the lovely buick brand new buick in the fucking driveway you know a, a lovely construction job and you go on a, a holiday to hawaii or you mm. go to you know on a drive through the rockies and it's idyllic perfect america and after a period happy of it, days even when mortars were you know mortars were like gangster mortars with the glamour of it yeah or you know like the, the black mortars, dahlia and the, all that stuff yeah. beautiful you know beautiful corpses this is actually oh no this is actually quite ugly yeah this was the shocking thing this is not Ruffer. yeah this is not black and white this is not edward g robinson and tommy gunn the coolest thing ever invented <laughs> yeah this is someone who's really doing some bad things to you other human beings and did you know what about a guy before um we started or did you just know him from culture through like Ch- texas chainsaw massacre true uh silence of the lambs and true psycho and stuff well, like he's, that. he's one of those names that i would have known um but not not a huge i call him ed gein and i've heard him i've heard it said both ed gein and ed gein i'm actually not sure what do you, what would you say i'd say gein 
Okay, we because ha- we'd have to pick one for the rest of the show. We say Gein. Well, does it Harvey Weinstein or Harvey Weinstein? Yeah, I don't know. We say Gein. I've heard Gein a few times. You say Gein, will you? Yeah, go on. Yeah. If I say it wrong, correct me. Um, yeah, like uh, uh, <laughs> this stuff was particularly like, uh, you know, in the 50s, you'd have somebody and somebody gets shot or like a crime of passion and a, a man to kill his wife and, and her lover yeah. when he catches them. But this shit yeah. is bananas. This crazy stuff. Crazy and, shit. And uh, it's it's the it's the, the the abuse of 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 the body and the the harvesting of the body and i, I think maybe the dehumanization of the victim yeah. i mean torn it, I mean, it couldn't be understood like like how can you do that like usually <laughs> when you're thinking back on people that did it you're talking about like genghis khan who's always been portrayed as like an animal do you know he yeah. was he was animalistic um which you know they 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 also portray like um we did an episode on cannibalism not so long ago. All right. And they portray like native Africans in that animalistic fashion because they partake in cannibalism. Yeah. That kind of mindset also may have lent towards, you know, racism against other races that weren't white because you were backwards and you were yeah. willing to do inhumane things to other humans. So like for to have a, a purebred American white man do this stuff, people were like, oh, no. You know, you Same know, with Dahmer. Like when Dahmer's like eating the and meat. Dar- yeah, and Dahmer looked like a fairly pleasant chap. Ch- Aryan, like blonde yeah, hair, blue yeah. eyes job. My favorite people. <laughs> people are people are looking at th- these guys going like, "How c- you're not a, you're not that stereotypical, you know, uh, uh, animal type of person." Yeah, with heavy brows or you know, yeah, or you know, like the, the, mo- the, the, mo- the, the movies. Like uh, every villain is disfigured, even Scar from uh, what you call the Lion King. Yeah. But I think what what what's shocking about this is the, the way the way he sort of desecrated and violated the bodies. There was I remember reading uh, many years ago now about um, there was a rumor going around in World War One that because the Germans were so low on animal fat for nitroglycerin, yeah, they were they were transporting their own soldiers back and boiling them boiling down them for the fat, yeah. And that the, actually, they used to make candles out of the fat, yeah. And but this out of people, this so outraged candles. This so outraged public opinion that. In, in Britain and in France and America, Australia, even the the enemies of Germany were so offended what they were doing to their own dead soldiers. Yeah. But it was true, and I don't think it was true. I, I hope, it, was I hope it wasn't true. But it, Lloyd George said, he says, he refused to believe it, and he didn't, they didn't believe it. And it turns out it wasn't true, apparently. But, but it's a great it's propaganda a, tool, right? It's a great, it is a great propaganda tool, but it, it really struck me, not that the whole truth or the, the, the story of it, but the fact that People who were like British soldiers and French soldiers who were trying to kill Germans, and British civilians and American civilians whose whose brothers and husbands were, were, were the Germans were trying to kill, they found this so offensive Even that the, though, the bodies of their enemies were being yeah. violated like this. So I think the Gein thing, and this was possibly the first really big one, probably post World War Two. Yeah, I would say so. So it sort of where it went, it went this far. And it echoes back to the Holocaust, like making making things out of people. And that's what I was just going to say. We did a whole episode on Holocaust denial and this, you know. Uh, no, you didn't. We <laughs> <laughs> Never happened. On this, on this whole phenomenon of, you know, uh, pissing off the ADL by saying that, you know, it didn't happen and mm-hmm. chase, the Russians chasing the Germans out and rebuilding all the, the gas chambers and everything. Like it's a couple of years old now and uh, we didn't get any any big letters for it so it mustn't have been that bad 
like I sit on the side of the Holocaust happened, but there's loads of things that the deniers jump on and it's like making lamps out of people's skin and yeah you know using uh, uh using skulls as ashtrays and stuff like that like there is a whole element of cognitive dissonance when it comes to those things like like the wrong the wrong information goes in if you want to believe that the thing happened so the stuff the imagery from uh, nazi germany of making furniture out of human bones and skin mm. you know making little lamps making making ashtrays out of people's skulls and soup bowls and stuff that imagery may have come from ed it may have come from this time which is not too far removed from world war Two times yeah and the thoughts that somebody could do that to another person when they heard what what gein did to his victims yeah, it could very easily at some point in the in the six, in the late fifties have been like, oh yeah, sure that that was what the Nazis used to do to the Jews, right? And it got caught up in because I, I in in my research for the Holocaust. So do you think episode, the timeline are sort of we, we look back on the timelines are slightly mixed up? Well, maybe it's like somebody just retconned the information that like the Nazis made lamps out of the Jews from right. the, from the the camps. Hmm. Like I looked into it and it said, as far as I can remember now, from the top of my head. That those gruesome Nazi, you know, paraphernalia right. actually never existed. There was no nobody has any proof of them existing. All right, yeah. That it, that that the Nazis didn't do that to the Jews, but they did kill millions of them and have them in work camps and do all that. Mm. So it's like a, a, a denier can go in and say, "See, it says here. There's historians to say here that they never existed." So, you know, tell me this, and it's very, it's a really uh, like a shady topic. But it very well could have been because Ed Gein did actually do those things to, and to humans. Was, yeah, and then retrospectively, and it was retros- yeah, kind of going, oh yeah, the same. The lads in Germany did the same thing, hmm. and people are like, I'd believe that because the Nazis are fucking arseholes. They're so bad, do you know? So it was just kind of superimposed on that and added on, like reading up on Ed. Um, and the thing that struck me about him, and you, you see a lot of other serial killers, is the amount of effort, yeah, the work. Like these guys aren't lazy. They're not lazy. <gasps> it really, and it really, really struck me. Are you reading about what these guys do? And I can't. That just takes a lot of. It's like, you know, Fritzl, the commitment to build. Yeah. His bunker and keep it secret from and all the contractors and, and, and all that yeah. stuff. Did a whole episode about him as well and how he did it. Yeah. It was very, very clever. Yeah. But you said it like you, like that's the kind of lad you want working for you if you just business. thinking that if you could if you could if you could sort of channel that into something productive like you know. <laughs> well, I was going to say Brick Lane, but just on your CV. Brizzle did that. Yeah, like Fred West. Like he's, mean, he's, a, he's a lad that you want to have building your, after. building your patio. He should be, you know, ratemybuilder.com. Fred <laughs> West will be at the top. <laughs> you never get through that shit. Um, will we get into Ed then and tell Ed. a story? Uh, so, Edward Theodore Gein, we're going to stick with Gein, I think, was born the 27th yeah. of August, 1906, in La Crosse County, Wisconsin, to George Philip Gein and Augusta Wilhelmina Gein, who... <laughs> will feature pretty heavily in the abuse column, I think, in this episode. Yes. Invariably for these lads, Gary, it's always the mother's fault Well, the, the, mo- the, mo- the mother seems to have been a particularly unpleasant uh, character. I'm, I'm pr- I don't know how typical or atypical, but La Crosse County, Wisconsin, sounds like a pretty isolated place where you're not going to be having communities of artists and visionaries and academics living there. Seems, yeah, pretty uh, buttoned-down kind of countryside. I guess Wisconsin wouldn't be... No offense to Wisconsinites out there, but it wouldn't be like the center of culture. 
No, it's it's and that's it's some of those some of those places there when you if you meet board in a bar and go back to, go back to whores, it means you just wake up in the bedroom across the landing. <laughs> back to when I come back to mine, I'm already yeah yeah. That's where I live already. But it's, um, uh, it's but the, mother, the, the, the most I know about Wisconsin is from that '70s show, and it didn't seem like there was much to do. Yeah, um, cheese, isn't it? Cheese, yeah. tall people. But uh, she's um, talk about internalized misogyny. She seemed yeah. to have a real hatred of of womankind. She was um, very much of the traditional gender roles mindset. Yeah, uh, she was devoutly and staunchly religious. Yeah, and. Uh, she was just hate-filled and overbearing and cruel, as far as all reports go. Um, Ed had an older brother, Henry, and this, you know this, she used to she used to just abuse the two of them on the regular. And uh, she was married to Ed's father, and because of her staunch religious beliefs, she refused to divorce him. <laughs> Instead, she stayed with the family and uh, <laughs> made it a living hell for all involved instead of just having a divorce and going fucking off. Yeah, but I mean... Like she stayed there against her will, kind of. Just out of just out of spite. But out yeah, of religious spite, yeah. I mean, even, even now some people find a divorce such a, a traumatic and, and actually wrong thing to do. You're going back over 100 years or close to 100 years when she was, when the, kid, the kids were young. brought up, yeah. So um, I can imagine for someone out in the backwoods like that in Wisconsin. Yeah, but now I think there's no such thing as like, yeah, a, a bad divorce. Oh, no, really. I know. I, I think it's a good thing, but it's it's still it's still a leap for people to make. A lot of people, and especially this woman, because she was so uh, religious, you know. Uh, Ed's father was a man of many talents and a master of none, unfortunately. He was a carpenter and a tanner. Uh, and then an insurance salesman, and then later a grocer who owned his own shop, but they had to sell the business due to poor custom in the area. And then they moved out to uh, rural Wisconsin to start uh, start a farm. So they it's had. A, it's to, interesting that one of uh, one of uh, Ed's father's uh, careers was as a tanner. Yeah, that's we'll really hard to, that. to do it. Uh, the, the young lads then they'd gone from somewhat regular existence in a kind of a semi-populated area in Wisconsin to a hundred and fifty-five acre farm out in the countryside in a town called Plainfield, which was. Sparsely populated and uh, rural, let's say. Yeah. Rural Wisconsin. Ed's mother would then read them Bible verses every day. Yeah. And uh, the Gein boys spent most of their time doing chores on the farm when they weren't in school. They didn't really get to socialize with anyone. They were kept away from everybody else. And uh, the only time they got to see people was in school. So they they enjoyed it. But they weren't great at school and they weren't great uh, socially. Uh, so they, it was kind of like the place where they should be enjoying themselves. But... Because it was so difficult, they probably didn't have a good time. Well, I, I think if you if your home life is is pretty miserable, which this suggests it was, yeah, uh, you're probably not going to be the most outgoing and carefree type, which doesn't help you socially, especially yeah. in school where it, it is a popularity contest, isn't it? Especially in the fifties when they're all Letterman jackets and you know, Back to the Future is to be believed. Uh, they didn't have you know their their social existence was really poor, and the the mother's religious zealotry. Uh, kind of spilled over into into their social lives. They were kind of refused to do everything like don't touch yourself, don't shake your dick more than three times after you have a piss because it counts as a wank. What worries me is that, like, don't be looking at girls, don't be talking to girls. That? I mean, did you watch them? Did you watch them sort of shaking? Or I, I guess when you when you got that power over over people, you get in they, their head and they, then they think they they think oh mother knows, mother knows, mother knows. She does fucking know. 
She looks up. She looks her wrong and angry, doesn't she? Yeah, we have a picture of her there now, and you can see like she's smiling and all, but you can see there's, there's no there's no life in those eyes. I can imagine you know like those jump scare videos. I can imagine her her face just changing in that to like yeah <laughs> yeah. Do you know rough? Um. So yeah, like <laughs> she basically drummed into them that all social interaction was sin. Uh, alcohol is uh, the devil's work, and all women are prostitutes and instruments of Satan. Uh, except her, of course, because she was virginal and fantastic, and she really instilled that into them uh, through concentrated psychological abuse. Mo- yeah. Your mother is wonderful and virginal and pious and religious and great, but every other woman in the planet uh, is uh, a harlot and a prostitute. But you, you kind of, I remember sort of hearing about this for the first time and, and reading this, and at no point, and again, they're 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 pretty fucked up by this woman. At no point did they did did they ever think, hang on a second, what's the likelihood of you, of all the many millions of people on the planet, being the only one who's not a whore? Fake news, ma'am. Fake news, ma'am. Don't believe you, ma'am. <laughs> I've seen a couple of whores, <laughs> but I paid them to shut the fuck up. Young Ed was understandably a, a bit weird, and his schoolmates have said since we found out that he had a belt made out of nipples that uh, he would sit in class in school and laugh for no reason. And I mean, if you have a lad that's just covered in shite, smelling like a farm, sitting in the corner who never talks to anyone and he's just laughing away on his own, that's not a, that's not like a billboard for come and make friends with me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, but I'll tell you what though, when, when, when I were a lad, when I were a lad. Years ago when Gary was young. Aye, veterinary. <laughs> <laughs> the, what what used to happen? I, I don't know if it still happens now, but it definitely used to happen. Was okay, sit in the class, sit sit there smelling a, sm- smelling them in your laugh the odd time for no reason. We'll just ignore you, and you can spend the next 10, 14 years absolutely ignored, outcast. So no one's going to sign your yearbook. No, and, and and nobody's going to give you any hassle. Nobody's yeah. going to make you do your homework. So you, millions of people spend fourteen years, fifteen years in school and can't read a book or can't read their name. But I'd say in places like this where people are living isolated lives, I think we kind of forget about it living in a city. A lot, There's a lot of weirdos out there. Oh, and yeah. He, he may not even appear that weird. Like he, a lot he, of he weirdos been, in here. He might have been one of three lads sat in the class yeah. laughing for no reason. And, and you know, if they had had social media, they would have found each other on some kind of a message board. and Yeah, they would have, they would have sort of shared some interest and, you know. Yeah. Maybe they wouldn't have killed or maybe they would have killed together. Together. Quite possibly. Together at last. <laughs> hey guys, how are we going to share this belt made out of nipples? I get it Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Um, <laughs> his his mother forbade him from having friends in school and said, come home and do your chores. So, I mean, that's obviously going to be another stick in the in the spokes of the bike of his social life. But uh, the thing that got him was after his father died, uh, his dad was 66 and died due to complications brought on by his alcoholism. Uh, Ed and Henry, or Hank, were left to the devices of their mother. And they were still pretty young. They were in their, their kind of um, very early teens. And it's not a it's not a great time uh, for a young lad who's discovering his body, starting to think about girls and shit. You're already a social outcast and you're starting to come online like sexually. Uh. And then your mother is a religious zealot. Like I couldn't find anything about what she used to do when she used to catch them fucking having a wank. But you can only imagine. That's probably know, not get your fucking anywhere. hand, get your hand and burn your fucking hand on the on the stove or something like that. Like some, 
But you don't, you, Weird you know, shit. these guys, and uh, you know, uh, you look at all these killers and you know, all, all these people, you go, and you go, oh, he's going back to his past, making excuses. But you look, when you look at his life, these guys Fucked. never stood a chance. No. Fucked. So it's like he, like he didn't have to kill everybody. Not everyone has like a like a normal life. Some people have parents that are yeah, like your parents are human too. But when you're a kid, like your parents are everything, and you see the world through their perspective. So if and your, your parents, parents and your parents or your parents are always right, even though she was so plainly wrong, you will believe them because they they're the ones that mind that's you. That's where you're, you're, so you get your programmed. Yeah, you're programmed by your parents. So she's telling them that. That's what he believes. Like yeah. there's kids that <laughs> they're being taught Christian science in America and they believe that that's actually how stuff is real. And then they're, they go into the real world. They're like, no, 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 no. God made the dark and the light. He made the, the, the seas and the land. Like that's, they truly believe that that's how it's made. And yeah, but th- that's, I mean, that's screw those guys. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's like, it's like uh, kids, yeah. like ki- kids have got abu- abusive parents still love them. Dogs whose, whose, whose owners kick them. Yeah. Still come back and, so you look at this guy and you're going, what, what was it she did? Like, not letting him have friends. Okay, that's not going to turn you into a serial killer. You know, uh, being religious, that's not going to turn you into a serial killer. Ah, uh, hang on a second. All women are whores. They and hammering are, it into him. And hammering it into all, And they are basically evil. It's brainwashing the child into, yeah. into objectifying women as whores and exalting her as the greatest thing ever. Yeah. So, I mean, his actions later on are very understandable when you think about that. But, you know, you, you spoke earlier on about um, serial killers and, you know, these really, you know, f- fucked up sort yeah. of people who kill. And you go, oh, these people have no empathy. I wonder, is it the other way around? They too much. That in order, because it's like bullies. Somebody's being bullied. They become, they're, 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 they potentially will become a bully. If somebody was never bullied... And that's I'm gonna start bullying people now. Yeah. The person who was bullied, i.e., has empathy with the person they're now bullying. They really know how that feels, mm. and they maybe get more satisfaction over. Whereas the person who's never been bullied is going, "Oh, it's great! I'm, I'm I'm slapping him around and robbing his lunch money." But the person who has been a victim of it really knows what they're doing to that other person, and gets more satisfaction from it. They know what it's like from both sides. Yeah, but and they they really know because if let's say I start bullying you, right? Mm. I don't really know how I'm making you feel, so I'm not getting that 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 joy from knowing what I'm really doing to you. Whereas a, a bullying victim, he really knows what he's doing to you. And I think that's the same for, I guess, sexual assault, paedophilia, um, even murder or or like any kind of sexual crimes. Yeah, I mean. Sometimes it's somebody who just like just balls out, goes like, "Well, I'm just gonna rape," and just starts raping people. But a lot of the time, they had some weird sexual thing happen to uh-huh. them when they were younger, and it grew up to be, yeah. Do you know, like look at Ed Kemper, like look at Andre Shikatillo, yeah. Do you know John Wayne Gacy, like all of these, like shit happened when they were young, and you're like, it's the people that just out of nowhere with a lovely life, like. uh your man from American Psycho had a totally normal life, but inside he was just like, I just want to do this stuff. Yeah. They're the ones that fascinate people the most because they're like, there's no explanation for that. But there is. Just break out and just start fucking chopping people up in bits. Maybe maybe the only explanation is uh, it's fun. Yeah. It just might be something that is, because for normal folk 
uh, and even me and you. <laughs> the idea of a uh, borderline, borderline normal folk. Uh, for most people, uh, the idea of uh, even even punching somebody is, and then getting even you know, then killing somebody, and then doing it, it's absolutely no, no, no. It's inconceivable it to it take somebody else's life. You're like, it doesn't take much because we know about the consequences. So it takes it's a it's a confluence of pathology, psychopathy, and hubris. Like they they have the this, the psychopathy enough to not understand what they're doing is wrong or not be able to empathize with the other person. You're just like, well, I want to do this, so that's what's going to happen. And having the hubris and confidence to know that, like, and well, I'm totally smart enough to get away with this too. Like, yeah. whereas I'd be so worried, you know, that you get caught by the cops and fucking they'll find some cum somewhere. There's always cum somewhere. They just pick up a little bit. They're like. We got him. We got him, Johnson. Like I recognize a, the taste. It's <laughs> yeah, that's him. Um, wait a minute. Don't let I check. Yeah, it's definitely him. Like, how the fuck do you reconcile that in your head? You have to be so confident to be able to go. I'm going to murder all these people and get away with it. Do you know? That's the thing in that mentality. Like, yeah, um, because they they because they know because they've seen their parents do it to to them yeah and their parents got away with it for so long it's like well if you just act like that if you act like nothing is wrong then no one will be suspicious you know uh, i think yeah the the, the confidence the hubris and all that crack uh, i get that and the, the confidence but yeah i think i think i, I think the, the the confidence of in getting away with it i think that i, I just think that in that moment when they're choosing this because they kind of go i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know cover the victim with with, uh, with, with johnson's coma and all that stuff but it's about hubris in terms of people are so, let's say, that person means nothing. I'm going to kill them. Yeah, it's objectifying. And yeah, but that, that also is dehumanizing. They've also got like, people are nothing. People are nothing. Yeah. People, they're, people, my, they're my play things. People, people are worthless except me. Yeah. By some miracle, I'm, I'm special. And you can see that in Augusta. Yeah. Augusta Gein, well, where she's, she's like, everyone else is shit. All women are prostitutes except for me. Yeah. And it could be a, a an inherited psychopathy where, yeah, do you know? And she put that so, we find out later on, she put that so hard into Ed that no other woman could really shape up to her. Do you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, fucking weird. Was he riding her? Was he maid rider? Was he maid rider? It's always those, it's always those ones that protest too much, right? Yeah. Don't yeah. be, don't be touching yourself. Don't be doing that in sexy. But also here, give that a lick. Yeah. I don't, don't tell your brother because well, he's next when you hear about I remember when uh, seeing Psycho yeah and uh, you know the, before before you know, this is pre-spoilers this is, this is pre-ink <laughs> uh, even as a young lad before I knew that the, the ma was, was dead the whole time I thought she's keeping him there the ma's keeping Norman there yeah. to look after her I love I I in I was researching loads of Norman Bates stuff because I, I like I saw Psycho like a long long time ago. Yeah. Um. There's a new TV show now. Well, it's not so new, but Bates Motel. Oh yeah. Did you watch? Any I haven't of it? seen it. No. I, I I have a chalk down now as a what as I want to watch. Yeah. There's a wrestler called Bates Motel, wasn't there? In the WWF. <laughs> Bates Motel was his name. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely something we should watch if, to get into the mind of it. Like I think we're at peak TV now, so there's some really amazing stuff being made. And uh, now remembering the story and knowing the context, I'm like, I'm yeah. in, you know. Although I didn't um, find, I didn't even, even, even as a quite a young lad when I first saw, I didn't find Psycho terribly scary. No, but it was like more disturbing, like creepy, creepy. Yeah, a lot of the Hitchcock ones. Vertigo. I remember watching in a hotel 
somewhere up the country when my I was left in the room. My parents were meeting another couple uh-huh. down in the bar or something. And me and my brother and I flicked onto Vertigo. And I fucking scared the shit out of me. And it's like you just standing on the chair going Ooh! With, the, with the worst special effects. Yeah, but it just freaked me out because I was young and impressionable. I guess. So uh, basically, the two Gein lads grew up as fastidious young men, if a little bit antisocial, and they were handy men around the town of Plainfield, making a few bob, mm. doing a few jobs. Uh, Ed, <laughs> inexplicably enough, was also a babysitter for the young parents around Plainfield. <laughs> and uh, it was said that he got on better with kids than adults because he didn't have to put on any preface or any kind of, a, uh, you know, a, a, an artifice of personality. He could just be himself and he didn't have to talk too much and kids would just accept him for being him and obviously they were too small to make clothes out of or whatever so there was no yeah there was no, no weird yeah no used to. uh ed was distant and there was this worrying attachment that people thought he had uh with his mother there was people beginning to comment on this then as he grew older that they would I, hold hands and they would he would she would have a lot of control over him and he would she'd scream at him and he'd you know heal like a dog and very and this is weird like not, public this is not, not when you were small, like he was, he was grown, a grown ass man, yeah. Yeah, yeah, big time. So, Gary, we were looking into um, possibly Ed's first crime. Uh, his 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 brother mysteriously mm. passed away. You're, I don't want to spoil it, but you, you, do you want to tell us about that? Well, after the father died, it was kind of. I don't know how cozy the threesome was, but the the, the mother and, and and the boys there together, and. Ed was never done for this, but there, there was a fire on the farm and they were sort of they were burning weeds from the marsh and it got out of control. So the, the two the two men were fighting out, the two boys, and uh, all, all good in the hood. But then it turned out that uh, the brother Henry uh, went missing. Where, where on earth is he? And Ed said he didn't know, but then he was able to lead the, lead the, the cops to where his body was. And mysteriously for a, for a, for a, a fur of marsh reeds. Ed had a, uh, Henry had lots of bruising around his head, but at the time they they chose not to make an awful lot of it. Yeah, but in reality, it's it's it po- seems to me like it's worst ever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the coroner had a look and, and said that it was heart failure that he had died from, and the body didn't have any burns. Strangely enough, even though he was found in the area that the fire occurred, yeah. that's what I couldn't reconcile when I was watching the, the documentaries. I tried to find it online exactly what what happened, and it doesn't describe it exactly. So there's a picture from a coroner's yeah. report, but I don't think if it's even him, I think it might be fake. They said that there's no burns on the body, and there was no, uh, you know, exter- uh, post mortem injuries, but there was bruising to the skull. Yeah, that happened very close before death because I hadn't had time to. To, to color color the skin very much so yeah. obviously blood flow had stopped and they found him in the same place that the fire was going on even though he had no burns so did ed did the fire happen maybe set by ed possibly firemen all came out put out the fire and went home and then they're like hey where's henry where's hank and ed is like oh i don't know uh maybe he's Maybe he got lost when the fire happened. He ran away. He was scared. And Ed went to the place. He had killed him somewhere else and went to the place when everyone else was out looking for Hank. Yeah. Ed went and pulled him out of whatever ditch he had put him in after he bopped him on the head and dragged him out to where the fires were and tried yeah, expecting to be, the fire to reach him and trying to be like, oh, maybe he yeah. died in the fire, you know? But what, what's, what, what struck me about that is um, 
for, for if you're looking at that, you'd be going to something a bit not right about this. They they thought about Definitely. it briefly, yeah, and then decided not to uh, not to pursue it. Yeah, so it was, it was what, dismissed was it? as foul play by the police. And was it because they didn't care about these two? I think randomers? I think it's just like they want you want an easy like no one would imagine that a fucking fifteen year old kid to kill his brother. So they were just like, yeah, I mean we could think that, but no. And when they looked into it, the official cause of death was asphyxiation. So it's like, yeah, the young lad is just, he, they were in a fire and he, he breathed in a load of smoke yeah. and he just died and he, he must have banged his head on the way down. That's what happened. And that's understandable too, Gary. Like he'd look at that and go, yeah, probably. That's, I, I, I could buy that. Why would you? Ah, I mean, now we know what Ed was. Probably not. But at the time, if you're like, if you're like the Plainsfield police and you, there's no murders in Plainsfield, Wisconsin. Right. And you come over and there's a 15 year old standing over the, what age was he? 30. Was he 30? Well, 28 maybe. Holy shit. I didn't know that. Not I thought they were, were teenagers. He's older actually. He's 38. Ah. Well, still, I mean. You're, I, I wonder I, was this, a, well, you know what? You're right. There was, there was a fire. One I don't know. Was, I one geez, I found know he was. He was that old maybe that changes my opinion on it a little bit <laughs> to, to me it makes that makes it look more like me like uh an inheritance thing but also yeah potentially an inheritance thing because he did sell he did sell henry's land afterwards but also is like uh i want i want mummy to myself yeah so i think that's kind of maybe like, so yeah fuck. yeah like now when when I, when i know what he done yeah. i'm looking at that going yeah totally it's obvious yeah but at the time do you ever watch the movie deja vu yeah with uh denzel yeah so in that movie is the same scenario. We have a woman found on the beach who looks like she blew up when the bomb blew up the, the, the boat that was in the bay. Yeah. And it was made to look like that. But Denzel's sharp eye said, oh, no, well, she's not burned by the stuff that that was burned by. And she has this and, you know, maybe she was killed by something else. Yeah. And it caused a thing in his mind. And it took him, he had to travel through time to find out the fucking answer. So you can imagine the Plainsville police were kind of like... Ah, this lad, he, he's a bit soft. This is the fella that hangs around with his mother. Yeah. I'd say he was just too thick to get out of the way of the fucking smoke. And he just breathed in a load of smoke and yeah. fainted, banged his head on a rock on the way down. And uh, now he's brown bread. Like, I know Ed is a bit weird, but I don't think he killed Hank. Yeah. Let's not look into it too deeply. I don't think there was much suggestion prior to that. That, you know, he's a bit weird. He did, he did a bit of laughing. But yeah. he obviously was regarded in, in the town as being a bit of a an oddball. He wasn't trust, out killing small trust animals. Trustworthy like, enough yeah. to be a babysitter. Trustworthy enough to be a handyman, to be allowed into everybody's yeah. house to fix the stuff. So, I mean, so he probably he's probably just a, a fucking soft Egypt, man. Yeah, ah, he's a bit soft, Ed. So, soft yeah, Ed. that's probably where they're coming from. Because, uh, yeah, he wasn't... Oh, oh, Ed, is, Ed is the guy who was always, you know, nailing frogs to doors. That doesn't seem to be the case. <laughs> yeah. Which is like the case with a lot of these characters. That they're killing small animals first. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't doing that. He was, he was fixing up the town a little bit. Um... He was alone now with his ma after that. Yeah, and know you know you really wonder what's. I mean, again, he's, he's well into his thirties at this stage. How uh, what was going on? So this was a cozy little thing, wasn't it? But then, uh, as luck would have it, mm. uh, she she wasn't going to be knocking around too much longer. No, he had he had her all to his all to himself finally. Yeah, and they started falling apart. Yeah, she had a she had a stroke, and uh, Ed Ed was gonna Ed was gonna look after. Um, but I would have, I would have, I would have let her die at this point. <laughs> yeah, he must have, she, he must have. Re, uh, at, she was uh, the only woman for him. Like this is. Yeah, but at this, at this point, I mean, again, he's he's of average intelligence. He's not an idiot. No. And at this time, this stage of his life, he must have been gone. 
this this thing is a this thing is a wrong one. Yeah, but, but there must have been some moment of epiphany. I know I know lots of people never have them. I don't think so. I mean, the story is sold as if he was conditioned for life. Yeah, that this woman was his one and only. So I think even at thirty eight, that maybe he had been a bachelor. He had had no real social interaction. Yeah, you're talking about a thirty eight year old like someone you know who's thirty eight. I'm like, yeah, I know that guy. He's thirty eight. Yeah, if his man was weirdo, I'd probably know about it. Like, this guy had had yeah. no friends for 40 years. Yeah. You can but, see those lads on the internet, a, like, what a, happens. There's, there's a good one here. Like, uh, they went they went to buy a straw from some fella. And this is this is kind of like where her, her sexual, her obsession with sex and, and women being harlots, etc. I think it's her own repression. Of course it was. I don't know. She, maybe she, again, we don't know what happened to her either. Yeah. We have no idea what happened to her. Something happened to her. But they were, I, they were, I would definitely, I definitely put money on that. Something no, happened. Nothing sure. Yeah, nothing sure. But anyway, so they went to buy some uh, straw from some lad, and uh, he was beating his dog, like you know, knocking the dog around qu- quite a lot, you know. And then this woman comes out and tells him to to stop beating the dog, and uh, he end, he ends up uh, he ends up killing the dog. The mother wasn't worried about the, him killing the dog. Yeah, she was actually more offended by the fact that this woman wasn't married to him. That she was his fancy woman. She found that more offensive than so she, him, him killing a dog in front of them. She's sitting in Mr. Smith's driveway giving out to Ed, Ed Gein going, isn't that terrible? And Ed is like, yeah, he kicked that dog to death. And she's yeah. like, no, the fact that that woman came out in her nightdress and told yeah. him to stop kicking the dog. So they're not even married. And you're like, but ma'am, he killed a dog. Like, she's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. So the, the fact that she's a psychopath yeah. as well. So this, this fella Smith was, was beating a dog. This woman comes out of Smith's house and suggests that he stops beating the dog, which makes makes her seem like she's a, a, a nice, a better person at least. Sure. Smith then proceeds to kill the dog out of spite, and Ed's mother can still only thinks c- that she, she's she. It's she can sh- only find fault in the fact that there was a woman of of unwed status in yeah, the house. Yeah. So when you, when you grow up with that sort of twisted moral yeah compass, it ain't well. It, it's still a big leap, but you're kind of. You're kind of a few steps closer to being able to do the things that Ed subsequently did. Now that I know what I know about what he did to the people that he did it to. Yeah. And when we talk about one of the victims in particular, it seems almost justified that he's able to box it off in his head and go, ah, yeah, well, she's a sinner. Yeah. You know, dirty, sinful, dirty. What have have I done? I've rid the world of an an evil thing. Yeah. And turned it into something beautiful, like a lamp or or a chair. Yeah. So Ed's, Ed's ma is after suffering a stroke at this point. So she's like talking out the side of her mouth, giving out about some woman living with Mr. Smith. And like very, this, this particular story about, about uh, Mr. Smith's dog was just before she, uh, she croaked it. Apparently it was very, very stressful for her and she would rant and rave about this thing yeah. to Ed for yeah. a, a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, she had a stroke in the summer and she was dead by Christmas time, right? Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, and uh, his biographer reckons uh, that he lost his only friend and one true love, and was now completely alone in the world. That sounds really sad. It does. It does sound really sad. <laughs> but uh, it's like you know, you're wondering like one true love. What's he suggesting there? But also, yeah. the, the, he, this didn't provide him with a liberation from from this monster that had brought him up. No, he actually he's just seemed to have carried on. Her corporeal her form had left the world, but her she da- was still, the damage was still alive. She in, was still very much in Ed. 
Yeah. And he was about to get in her. Well, this yeah. is the thing. Ed was, he was out in the world on his own now and he was like earning money from doing odd jobs around the place. He wasn't doing any babysitting now because he's in his 40s and that's weird. <laughs> but uh, he was still a very odd man. Uh, and people let him uh, work around farms in playing field and he was doing, you know, he was like a handyman around the, around the place. What he did with his own house, though, was quite strange. And after his mother died and his brother was brown bread and yeah. uh, he went around to all the rooms in the house. So he went around to Henry's bedroom and boarded it up, went to the mother's bedroom, boarded it up, went to the parlor, boarded it up and tried to preserve the happy times, let's say. Is that what he was trying to do? Like, Well, uh, I know, he I know probably family... remembers them as happy times sure, because that's now I mean. he's living on his own. And yeah. We were talking earlier about rose tinted spectacles, but... uh He's he's been isolated. He's no friends, but at least he had his mother and his brother. They were everything to him, and now they're gone. Yeah. So he would he would look back on them nostalgically, and he wants obviously, but he's boarding all these rooms up, yeah. like shrines to his former life. I do know, like sometimes when a, a, a child dies in a family. Now, God forbid, touch wood. You know, we don't want any kids dying, but shit happens. Especially if you're Palestine in Palestine and there's yeah. a, a, a Israeli snipers around. But if somebody dies as a teenager, let's say tragically, yeah, the parents will kind of preserve their room and try and remember them as they were. And there was this whole, you know, yeah, yeah. Like you've heard of people doing that, right? Yes, yes. And they keep all the all the posters on the wall, and it's kind of like a small shrine for a couple of years until the grief kind of subsides. If, if it ever does, and I, th- I think if it, no, I mean if it ever does, but and then you got the obviously if you're. The, losing a child, it's a terrible thing. The act of the act of actually taking down their stuff, it it feels like you're 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 disrespecting them. It feels yeah. like you're I don't know, killing them again. I, I, I think it's I think it's it's different. Taking away their it, memory it, or Yeah, anything. it's like, you know, oh you have forgotten that easy. Do you really need that room that much? Yeah. But so with, I can see how Ed would be like, Well, my mother's dead, but I want to keep her memory alive, so I'm gonna board it up. Yeah, but with with, with parents that's that's it's not that's not an unnatural thing that they they die before you of course yeah. and people do change rooms you know they don't you they don't to get t- rid of all the clothes out of the wardrobe and you cry with each piece and you're like i remember yeah. and you're smelling but you smell don't and you, you don't feel like moving their stuff out is a betrayal of them no you're not doing anything wrong by by clearing their, their, their stuff out and the fact that ed made a shrine out of his mother's room and ended up living in a tiny tiny portion of in the a, house himself in a box room off the kitchen yeah, yeah. So that's, again, that's another marker. But nobody knew this, of course, because nobody went to see him. Maybe nobody it was, was a self-flagellation thing where he's like, I don't deserve to have a lovely bedroom and have this lovely big farmhouse. Like, maybe I don't, I don't deserve it. Yeah, you know? Maybe possibly. that's the thing. He, uh, he, he, he got into this thing where he, he, on his own, he found a morbid fascination with murder magazines and true crime pulp comics that we were talking about earlier on. The yeah. kind of ones that have like bondage and a bit of nudity. And you could have a read uh, that could turn into a wank at any moment, kind of a way. <laughs> to one of those kind of things. Uh, he was especially interested in the ones about Nazi atrocities and cannibalism. And he was kept in money by the government. They were subsidizing his farm. And in the 1950s, he sold around half the family land, the well, stuff that belongs to Henry. We're talking about him being uh, the first really big one of this scale. But it shows you, like, the, the, even back then, the more than proved more than mags. Yeah, people think. Like going back, she had the fucking mafia man killing loads of people, yeah. and there was all these kind of stories, like the the stories of people being killed, like the Black Dahlia was a huge thing. Yeah, we'll do an episode on that at some stage as well. Like, uh, death is never easy, but it was always interesting. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Um, the case though that Ed got lamped for, uh, uh, 
<laughs> they've, they've eventually discovered his heinous crimes. Uh, we'll go into that in a few minutes. But the first case that he got definitely caught for was when shop owner Bernice Warden went missing. She was a big woman. She was loud. She had sailor's language and a worse temperament. And she would be out cursing them by the hour and, and swearing and, and fucking lads out of it. And possibly being the not pious woman that Ed was very used to. He was. He wouldn't like, be. He wouldn't be uh, a lover of a woman who used uh, profane language. Well, even talk. She would talk body language, tell dirty jokes. She was. Yeah. You know, she wasn't a, a Ed's version of or Ed's mother's version of a lady, and you could see there why because he kills her. Spoiler. Um, you could see why uh, Ed would justify he ending probably, her he life. He probably looked on her. That she proved that his mother was. Exactly. Oh, look, my mother was right. Here's a good example of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he, she was, she was a big woman and stood behind the counter in this hardware store and she'd give shit to lads coming in or she'd tell dirty jokes. And on the 16th of November, 1957, somebody noticed that the truck for Bernice's hardware store in Plainfield hadn't been driven out of the parking spot uh, in a couple of days. And then the store had been closed for the whole day uh, on the 16th. They were like, well, why is the door not, why is the doors not open? It, some thought it was because it was hunting season and maybe she was out, you know, shooting, uh, getting a few bits of meat because back then in Plainfield, you were, when you went out for hunting, you weren't doing it for sport, you were doing it for food. That was actually, yeah, that was your winter's food. Yeah, this was the kind yeah. of time, you know. Uh, but then somebody went into the store to see what had happened and they found the cash register open and the whole place was covered in blood. And they're like, what the fuck? They found a receipt for a gallon of antifreeze that was left behind in the receipt book. It was the last one that she had written. And wouldn't you know, the last person to be in the store as a customer was Ed Gein. Now, this is, this, you were talking about hubris earlier. Yeah. And people think they're going to get away with it. But when they do something as stupid as this, he needn't have gone in and bought the antifreeze. No. Well, I think, I, I and it's pure speculation, because I, I, I tried to find something about the transcripts that he said what happened with Bernice in the store. Right. And what he said was that he went into the shop to try out a gun. And he was trying out a gun. He was buying a gallon of antifreeze. All right. And she bought the gallon of antifreeze. And on the way out, he's like, oh, that's a lovely gun. Can I have a look at it? And he was trying to see the action, how the bullets went into right. it. And, all, and it went off. And a shot Bernice. And then he's like, oh, fuck. Okay. And then just kind of bundled her up and, and brought her out. Yeah, but... That it, it was it, an accidental death. But the death was the death was pretty mundane. Whether accident or deliberate, it's, it's what he did with her next. But that's, that's the thing, you see. So, like, was it a crime... Uh, the, the later crimes were of opportunity because he's like, well, fuck, I've killed her now. I might as well, you know, take advantage because I've been digging up dead bodies. Yeah. Spoiler. I've been digging up dead bodies and doing stuff to them. Now I have a real live body. Let's try it out, you know? Like he hadn't done that before and this was by an accident. He shot her, so he says, with a twenty-two yeah. rifle by accident. Like, could it have been throwing this out there? Speculation. Mm-hmm. His mother was after baiting it into him that right. women are whores. Right. And maybe Ed came in looking a bit sheepish and Bernice being the body woman that she was, big set of cans, insatiable right. appetite for cock. Right. So she was just like, hey, Ed, you want to come out the back here? I got a, I got a, I got a pipe needs fitting. <laughs> and Ed was like, you can't uh, talk to me like that, you dirty bitch. And she's like, ah, come on, loosen up, you know. And then he just like flipped out. Called, started calling her a whore. She started fucking him out of it then. Yeah. Like giving him abuse. Get the fuck out of the shop and all. Right. And then he just pulled a gun down off the thing and put a bullet in it and shot her because she was acting the acting the maggot. 
That's you know that's possible, and it's, it, it is because he was so conditioned to, to have a woman be different very, to what very, she was, a very different type of woman. Like so, she was she was probably exactly what his mother yeah. warned him about. A, pr- here, a precocious, here, sexually uh, active woman, and here she is, kind of kind of proving it. Yeah, that's but that's possibly true. But it's interesting that you know the murder, either the murder, murder or accident, or planned, or or, or just sort of you know in the moment. Where it really gets weird is how he treated her body afterwards. Well, this is it. What did he do? Well, th- th- it's interesting actually. This is a, uh, this is the the hunting season. Yeah. So you got all you got all the people around the place. So they're all they're all uh, going out shooting deer and whatever else they can get their hands on. And these people are all sort of country folk who are used to actually going out there, killing the animals, skinning them, gutting them, butchering them, preparing them for storage and all that stuff. And uh, when they went, uh, they went, they went to the house, and Bernice's body. <laughs> Ed had the antifreeze receipt, and they were like, "Well, let's go to Gene's house. He's the last one to see." Yeah, her. this, this is, this is the, this yeah. is the, this is the silliness or the stupidity of it. Either the stupidity of it, or maybe he was, he, this was an accident, or maybe it was just so much fun killing her that he forgot. <laughs> Hello, my name is the last flipping name in the place. Yeah. Anyway, they went out to his house, and I think, I think you, you mentioned Hubris earlier. A lot, of, a lot of these killers think they're a lot cleverer than everybody else. Yeah. When in fact they're a lot thicker than everybody else. So he was average. I think he, I think he just, this is just a slip up. But when they got there, she was in the shed and she had been prepared like she was a deer. Oh Lord. Hanging upside down, trussed, uh, butchered. And apart from my head, it wasn't there. Head was gone. Fuck. Where's the head gone? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, imagine. They found loads of shit in the house though, didn't they? When well, they started inspecting the place, then well, this is where it got really crazy. They went searching around the place looking for a head. <laughs> well, how are you head? Yeah, and they found some really crazy stuff, like uh, the human bones, whole and fragments of bones, a set of chairs with human skin upholstery. Jesus, bowls made from the top of human skulls, all sorts of stuff. A corset made from a female torso, and the the one that would have re- had I been one of his victims, the one that would have really upset me. Yeah. A rubbish bin made of human skin. If you're yeah. gonna, if you're gonna, made if, a trash can. If you got turn me into a lamp, <laughs> don't yeah. make me a bin. Yeah, but anyway, so you're covered in a plastic bag most of the time. Anyway, yeah, protection. exactly. Yeah, he made some other weird stuff. He had like full skulls on the on the corners of the bedposts of his bed. Yeah, so when he's going to sleep at night, he had some human skulls there. He had leggings that were made from human skin, like pants that he used to slip into at night they must, they must have just been from legs. They must have been. Yeah. <laughs> Leg leggings. Leg leggings. <laughs> just hollowed out all the mate. But come uh, here. Um, the, the most disturbing part is the masks, I think. Do you think so? Yeah. Well, yeah, he had, he had, he had he leather. Oh, this is where his, his father's previous job as a tanner <laughs> comes into play. Yeah. But yeah, he had masks made out of human face skin. But it wasn't the face skin. It was the whole face... And he, he just separated all the flesh right. from the skull. He flayed it all off the skull. And then he kind of dried it or, or preserved it somehow. Right. And then he put them, he, he tied them up like they were, um, you know, the way the head shrinkers in, in, the, in, the, in yeah. the jungle, the Borneo oh, yeah, yeah. stuff, you know, uh, like in the, what's it, Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. To have this lad. Uh, yeah. So he used to do that and the, 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 the skin would shrink a little bit and then he'd have a fucking woman's mask, face mask. And did you wear them? Did you wear them? I on presume. Them? He put them up and some of them were nailed to the wall as decoration. Some of them were used, let's say. Like, uh, I think, I think, 
the disgustingness of some of the rest of them is, yeah, yeah, it's it's grand. But the fact that you actually have somebody's face, to be able to disassociate that from being a person, like the dehumanization you need to have in your head, even if you just had a body and you cut the head off it, like Dahmer, cut the head off it and then fuck the dead body. Do you know? Uh, uh, Bundy would do the same. Bundy would take the head off, bury the body, go away and then come back maybe weeks later and dig up the body and have another go. Like that's what Bundy used to do. But it was a dehumanizing thing because you weren't looking at their face. This man is taking their faces and wearing them. Do you know? So he's actually quite different from the other guys. He's he's really trying to hold on to the humanity. He wants to reanimate these people. Some of the other mad shit he had. Well, I don't know about the the masks being the worst. Uh, He had a shoebox, didn't he? (laughs) What was in the shoebox, Gordo? He had, uh, I think it was nine women's vaginas. Uh, the 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 vulva, the lips, like it was basically just like an ice cream scoop out of these women's gooches. Right. And he'd keep them like a, like a small, like a burger patty of, of fanny. And he had nine of them inside in the shoebox. And everyone was like, why have you got all them fannies in a box for Ed? And he's like, well, sometimes I like to take my mother's old underwear and put the vagina in the underwear and then pull them up on me and then walk around the house with with a, a vagina over my dick and balls. Somebody else's dead vagina scooped out of their body in a pair of knickers. No, but, but the thing is... That's weird. So the, they they originally thought that he'd gone, killed lots and lots of normal people. But yeah. he's, he was claiming that, no, that wasn't the case. Yeah. He'd, he'd actually gone and dug these up. Yeah. And uh, it was proved that that was, he, that's what he did do. Yeah. There's a few other choice bits though. Uh, he had the, he had the masks. He made a, a mammary vest. Imagine this. What's a mammary vest? He got. What is that? A, a larger lady and he cut the skin and fat from, from her waist up to her shoulders. So just the torso meat and he removed it from the bones, fat right. and tissue and everything. Right. And it was basically like, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Murphy in The Clumps and he put on a bodysuit. Oh, yeah. So this was that of a woman. So he said he used to put on the leggings. He'd have a fanny in knickers and pull the knickers on. And then he'd have this vest that was made out of a woman's torso with big, massive tits on it. And he'd put on, presumably, his his mother's clothes, put on women's clothes and fill out the bra with somebody else's body and just walk around the house. And you're like, this lad... This lad wants to, he said, I did it because I wanted to be in my mother's skin. And these were all women who looked kind of like his mother. Is that the case? <sighs> yeah. I mean, that's what yeah. he claims. Like, but there was also, a, there was also a belt made out of women's nipples with a buckle and everything. What do you mean? Uh, like he got a load of women's tit, tits, right. cut the nipples off and then sewed them together into a belt. You've, you've a picture there. Yeah. It's a belt made out of, out of nipples, man. You see... <laughs> I, I, I gotta go back to you, you you really would you'd hire these people their work ethic I mean it's terrific it's creative yeah At the, uh, I, I would have never thought to sew a load of nipples together into a belt no just it just ties the whole A-line dress together you just like the A-line dress just put a little belt on it decoration buckle sorted you change ready. a thing you're ready to go <laughs> you're ready to you're go. ready to go you're ready to go do you know but yeah. maybe maybe a couple of uh, like fingertip earrings Something like that. 
But then it, there's there's other things like you know a string of pearls made out of baby teeth. Like that's how beautiful. Yeah, you have to be creative with this stuff. But he's also for some reason he's hang, he's got he's got noses and fingernails around the place. I even had imagine a pair of woman's lips that were on the end of you know the drawstring on a set of blinds. Yeah. And he had the lips hanging at the end of it. So whenever he wanted to close the curtains in the evening, he'd have to go over and grab the lips and yank the curtains closed. Now, the thing is, what was the state of the house? Because, you know, these dead bodies, they're not they're not great at smelling great. Yeah, I think he was good at kind of preserving the, the flesh so well, that they weren't falling apart. He had been doing this for some time, so right. over a, a period of two to three years, maybe. Um, so I guess he's like doing whatever preservation needs to be done to make sure right. that his tit vest doesn't fall apart. But the thing is, he'd been doing this for several years, so some of this, some of this stuff must have been lying around for years. And the, like the, two, tan, yeah, a the, few. the tanning skills, I can see with the, with the, with the but the nine vaginas, they kind of going, how long yeah. would they be lasting? Yeah, especially when you're, he, he used to take a vagina when he used to be going around doing jobs and he'd have one in his pocket and he'd just like take, take just play with it in his pocket like a fidget spinner. Oh. Do you know? While he was working. While he was working. And then he kept the other ones that he used to put in a pair of knickers that he'd pull on and walk around the house. Like, it seems some kind of, is there some kind of weird, like, transgender agenda going on there? Is there some weird thing where he's like, I want to be my mother. I want to be a woman. He was, he made leggings that he'd pull on and in a, a tit vest and put a fanny in a pair of knickers and pull them up and then wear his mother's clothes and pr- prance around the room. Like, I don't know, man. Like, the motivation behind it is so fucking odd. Well, come here. It's like you know. I want to be my mother. I want to be my mother. I want to be a woman in general. I don't know, but uh, it doesn't sound like he was terribly trans because no, most people be want to become trans or they are trans. They don't hate women with such a visceral passion that he did. Maybe, maybe they do. Maybe he's been told that these feelings are awful, and you know, you get these like super like. Uh, titanium locked closeted gay lads that are like far 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 to the right yeah. and they're the guys who are like absolutely under no circumstances are gay people to set foot in my county I yeah. will not have their gay marriage or their fornication you know like it's and fucking next thing you know, and the, the next thing you know he's getting blown by two two 17 year old rent boys in a fucking public toilet yeah, somewhere and yeah. it's a big scandal so maybe it's one of those super ultra repressed things where he was a bit you know, something, something well, actually, on that yeah, spectrum, so, and his mother just fucking bedded out of him. All right, so maybe, yeah, it may be that he was somewhere on that spectrum, and his mother hated women so much, and obviously he f- may, may, obviously not, obviously, potentially he was on that spectrum somewhere, and so he hated the female side of himself that he felt. He hated the female side <laughs> of himself, or was, thought there, that he was evil as well. There was a couple of lines in something I was reading saying that she she wanted a girl, and uh, he came, right. he came along and and. At first, and then she had Henry, and she's yeah. like, bollocks. I yeah. wanted a girl. You can only imagine what shit she would have put onto a girl. I'd like to. <laughs> so I'd like to. Uh, shit. Is, is, is there, are there many photographs of 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 Ed as a very young kid? Not many. See, that's, this he is, didn't go anywhere. This is kind of this is almost pre uh, cheap photography when he was a kid. Yeah, you'd wonder and, what was. Going and he on. wasn't at anybody's birthday parties to be getting to if they had a family that had a camera. Are you thinking about like having pictures of him when he was young to see if he was fabulous? Well, see what she was dressing up in, because there's, yeah. there's plenty, there's plenty of uh, messed up parents there who uh, they want a the girl or a boy, and they just dress them. They like dress them, dress them. I want this is what I want. This is where you're gonna be, me. Yeah, so they're out there now on the internet, yeah, doing stuff big time. Um, yeah. So when, like you said, uh, they thought it was murder straight away. When you see a fucking box of fannies, Gary, like you're like, where did you get all these fannies? Yeah. So mad as a box of fannies. <laughs> they think 
they think that they're from an estimated uh, 15 bodies. Uh, they photographed all of this paraphernalia, these lampshades and tit belts and fucking, mm. you know, leg leggings. And they interviewed Gein and said, uh, you know, where, where, where'd you get all the fucking raw materials for this shit? And, yeah. he, and he said, between 1947 and 1952, he made several trips to graveyards in the area and he was digging up bodies. And he, he, he said he used to go into some sort of a weird daze oh, and then yeah. go in and dig up the graves. And he started with some older women that were like not, he started with some women who were buried like a long time ago. Right. And it turned out that when he was digging them up, then they were kind of falling apart and they weren't any good to him. So he said, okay, I'm going to watch to see who's newly buried. And as soon as they're in the ground, do you know the way that the ground isn't properly solidified yet? It's kind of, it's turned. He gets in, he digs at nighttime, (laughs) opens the coffin, gets in, uh, takes the body and fucks off. And the cops were like, um, yeah, is that how... Is that how that's happening? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I used to watch out for women who were like in their, uh, you know, late 50s who kind of looked like my mother. Yeah. And when they die, I'd go to their funeral, make sure I knew the plot and then go back there at nighttime and, and pull them out of the box. And when the cops then, who were suitably suspicious, went to redig up all the graves to check to see if, if Gene was telling Parky Pies, they found that the body was indeed missing. In fact, in one of them, they found his crowbar. He's like, you'll find in this woman's thing when I was getting out. I had the body and I was heaving it over the edge and my crowbar fell down and I just left it in the box and went home and yeah. they opened the thing and there was a crowbar in it. So that he was telling the truth. But <laughs> the fact that he claimed he wanted to make a woman's suit after his mother's death because he wanted to have her skin so he could, he could, quote, crawl into her. He said it wasn't a sexual thing either, that he wasn't taking these bodies out and having sex with them because they smelled too bad. He said they were really smelly. So it wasn't a sexual thing. I wasn't. He said I wasn't masturbating. I wasn't. Doing, I just wanted to be. But you know what? I, 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 I don't. I don't buy that. Because again, what his mother had done to him—that if if he was doing something sexual with these corpses, he would. Of course, fu- he deny it. Of course, he not. But he, I think he would actually find that more immoral. Yeah. Than actually murdering them and making furniture out of skin. Yeah, maybe so. Because I, I think he's so fucked up that. He oh yeah I murdered I, I, well I, I murdered the, this woman I've been digging up all these bodies oh yeah that's grand oh no I didn't have sex with them oh no 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 wasn't me mother yeah I didn't do well, it, I didn't do that mother well after being caught then for for the murder of Bernice because they found her trussed up in the in the shed but they, she didn't have a head they were like what's the fucking crack he also confessed to shooting Mary Hogan who was a bar owner who was missing since 1954 and they found her head and bones uh, fashioned into some types of furniture in in. Uh, Gein's house. Yeah. And he, he, he was also partial to keeping the dead woman's faces. So he claimed to uh, people that were over in his house. Imagine people were in his house. They saw this stuff and he explained it away by saying so, uh, some friends of mine who were at war brought these souvenirs back from the Philippines. But they were very common after the war. Shrunken heads. Yeah. yeah, big time. So he said, yeah, that's what they were. Now, uh, Gein confessed to these crimes. And one of the things that the lads found was... Uh, uh, when they were looking for uh, Bernice's body, her head, they found a burlap sack and there was hair coming out of it. And the detective said when he saw it, his instinct was to grab the hair and just pull on it. Yeah. He said he doesn't know why because he pulled out the head of, of Bernice Warden and her heart had been cut out and put into a plastic bag and kept in the unturned on oven. They think, I mean, that would intimate that maybe Ed had... 
a plan to maybe eat her heart if it's in the oven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That Nobody knows, and he didn't make any he didn't make any comment on it. So I don't think he was a cannibal. I think he was just keeping the heart, being like, "Oh, you have my heart," or whatever. It's a bit. It's a bit fucking. I don't know. A bit much. But he confessed all of these crimes, and uh, Woshara County Sheriff Art Schley assaulted Gene during the um, interrogation, which made his confession inadmissible in court. Uh, and it was under because it was under coercion. Yeah. And uh, very shortly after that, Schley died of heart failure at forty three, just before Gene's trial. So it's like there's a lot of stuff around it that he, he kind of he almost got away with it because the police mishandled what was going on. But that 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 cop. Who, who banged his head against the wall? He yeah. was fucking traumatized. Traumatized by the, by the actual dealing with the crimes, yeah. and also the amount of trouble he was in for potentially wrecking the the case as well. And yeah. he died of a, of a stress induced heart attack at forty three years yeah. of age. You know? Yeah, uh, very like very crazy situation to be handed in in somewhere in Wisconsin where there's a lad with 15, 15 women's bodies worth of parts. When you yeah. the house, when like, you go to work in the morning. You can, you can, be, you can, for many years you can be just driving up and down, giving people tickets, or, or maybe roasting people out of a bar, and next thing you know, oh, so this is a very different a, a this belt is, made out of nipples. This is a very different job to the one I I did yesterday. Yeah, and then so you know, that's the sort of thing. If you if you're a cop and you, do you, you forget this stuff ever? Some of the really gruesome stuff. I'd say, like I've seen some shit on the internet. You know, like you see in the movies when a fella falls off a building, it's like no like some fucking yeah some diehard shit you know some uh, alan rickman what was what was <laughs> what was that character hans name? gruber wasn't hans it gruber some hans gruber shit like you never saw hans gruber burst like a bag of fucking pizza toppings yeah. on the ground yeah like i've seen a video and i'm always like oh man i want to see it where they hit the ground like it's not like wiley e. coyote where it's just like poof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's loud and messy yeah, God. And, you know, even even off of, like, 15 stories, there's one there recently, and there's a cop. And you can watch it, like, it's on Live Leak or whatever. And there's a cop, he's standing there, and he has his hands on his hips, and they're kind of patrolling the, the street to make sure nobody walks under where this guy is going to land. Because, yeah. obviously, if he hits you, you're fucking dead. Like, yeah. And this cop was just like, stop, holding up his hands, like, stop, no, don't walk there. Just look up, look up. There's a fucking lad, but get back. Like, policing the people on the street. And then the next thing you hear, no, no, no. And your man jumps off, and the cop is just watching him, like, and he just bursts on the ground and then the cop is just like okay everybody stay back stay. like he's not he's not even phased man he's wow. not he doesn't even miss a beat and you're like that cunt sees that shit oh, yeah. too, like too much yeah especially like think about fucking police army EMTs doctors in, in emergency rooms like see, they see like the the gruel like the gr- most gruesome human craziness and they objectify that because they're like, okay, you know, you hear surgeons talking about how they treat people. It's like, I don't think of it as a person. I just think of it as a machine that I have to fix. And yeah. I pull this thing out and they tend to be a little bit more like kind of emotionless but than I think that, that's a GP it, it, or whatever. That's like, that's like the reverse of, you know, serial killers and proper murders. Even serial killers and proper murders probably had to make themselves do the foursome. Or had, they had to Desensitize think, themselves. They had, and then as you do, it's like people walking in slaughterhouses. People you know, couldn't, get over cutting the throats of like a few hundred pigs a day, but I guarantee you, the first day, yeah, the like, screams oh my you. goodness, oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing with, with serial killers, it's like it's like breaking your duck, yeah, it's gotta break your duck once you got the duck broken, 
Everyone gets easier. But it all, it's always kind of an escalation. And we found it with those, the different murders, uh, uh, serial killers, that they end up starting with a, like a kind of a sexual observation. They're looking into the window and having a wank in the yeah. bushes. And then it moves into like an assault. And then it moves into like a test. And then the next thing he attacks someone or he ties her up and doesn't yeah. rape her. And then the next time he ties her up and rapes her, doesn't kill her. The next time he does all three. Yeah. And then the next time he's fucking has her in the fucking shed with no head on, yeah. done up like yeah. a deer with her hands and legs all tied. So it's an escalation. And like you said, once you do the first one, a lot of these guys, like John Wayne Gacy said, like it's a, it's an elation. It's like, it's like drugs, man. You, you, once you get the first one, every one after that, yeah. you're looking for that buzz of doing the first one again. And yeah, you don't get it, but you just keep going. It's like, you know, meth or crack or something. You're chasing the dragon, but the dragon is murder. The dragon is, <laughs> the dragon is murder. murder. Now, he, he pled uh, guilty. Gein pled guilty on November 21st, 1957, by reason of insanity. And he was then diagnosed with schizophrenia and found unfit for trial. So they set him up in the uh, Central State Hospital for the criminally insane. And later transferred him to Mendoza State Hospital, which is a, a permanent psychiatric criminal facility and this, is, this, uh, he, this, this isn't an open no this, this, this isn't put up your hand chief this is like no cunt gets in or out yeah. of this place yeah you're in there because you crazy yeah um his trial began on the 7th of november 1968 nearly 11 years later and his state of mind was taken well into consideration a psychiatrist claimed that uh Gein said in therapy that he wasn't sure that he had actually killed Bernice Warden, like I said earlier on, if he killed her accidentally or on purpose. He just remembers doing the stuff with the gun and it went off and then, you know, some shit happened. Um, what's interesting with that is... It, it, very yeah. weird retconning of his own his own motivations there. Yeah, but like he, he freely admitted to the, the, to the to the previous murder. Yeah. Freely admitted to that. Yeah. Freely admitted to, you know, digging up all the bodies. He killed her in freely, 1954. Yeah. yeah, freely admitted to everything else. Yet he sticks by a story that the... Uh, Bernice was an accident. Yeah. That kind of suggests maybe, maybe it was. Yeah. Or maybe. He had no reason to lie at this point. Yeah. He's 11 years. He on knows like he ain't going Thorazine and fucking drawn out in some psychiatric ain't place. Ain't going like. anywhere, yeah. Um, the trial was held without jury by request and Judge Robert Gallmar presided and he found uh, Gein guilty after only seven days of hearing some of the, some of the evidence. Yeah. Uh, Judge Gallmar also c- uh, concluded that Gein was insane and committed him to a lifetime imprisonment in the Central State Hospital with no possibility of parole. And and Gein stayed there until he died in 1984, age 77. He had lung cancer, and uh, he just croaked out one day. So age 77? Yeah. Got a good old long run. Only the good die young. Huh? <laughs> and he got uh, he got shipped home, and he was buried in Plainfield Cemetery uh, next to his, his loving, uh, ever-loving mother, which is where he wanted to go. And uh, people go to Plainfield and they pick bits off his gravestone, if you imagine that, yeah. Imagine that as a souvenir. I can absolutely imagine that. Ironically, as he was the one that was keeping souvenirs from dead people, now people are taking souvenirs of him. Yeah, th- that'll learn him. Uh, yeah, it's a, weird, it's a weird life to live, do you know? But, you know, pe- people are fascinated. I mean, if I, if I was ever there, I'd probably, I'd probably chip a little bit off his tombstone. If it was the done thing. If everyone else was doing it, yeah. I'd probably do it myself. It's like the but what would you wall. do with it? Would you, exactly, yeah. Would you keep it? No, I'd um, I'd, I'd, I'd put it in my underpants. And walk around. And walk around with it. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it wouldn't be too sharp or, or pointy. <laughs> well, the the story of Ed Gein and the gruesome murders that he did and the gruesome, I guess, the disgusting paraphernalia he created from it have inspired loads of horror and true crime creations. 
Uh, and it was a story made most famous, like we said earlier on, by the Hitchcock movie Psycho, which is from the book by Robert Block. And uh, Norman Bates poisoned his mother because she took a new lover after her father died. And uh, uh, after his father died and Norman Bates poisoned the mother and the lover. And then it gets weird because he wants to live in his mother's skin. He, he, you know, he develops a disassociative identity disorder as a way of processing the guilt of killing her. And then he uh, dresses up as her and then pretends to be her and has Norma and Norman. And yeah. there's, a, there's a whole kind of a, 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 a split personality thing going on there. Like very, sim- very similar story to Gein. Very, and I, very I think, similar story. And I, I think in the film, uh, I think Anthony Perkins is absolutely fantastic in it. Because yeah. you can see actually, he's probably basically a decent, pleasant enough person. But even before it gets weird, even before it gets weird, you can see how absolutely fucked up he is. Yeah. Just in, even talking to, to, to Grant. I think inside, like you can see the small movements in his face where he's almost like fighting yeah. the personality inside or something like that. It's very yeah. well acted. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's fantastic in it. Uh, but, there's also a statement from Robert Black that said, because he wrote it in uh, 1959, yeah. <laughs> he even said, I only found out about Gein and that case when I was nearly finished the book, really? to be honest. And he didn't go back and write in any extra parts. He wrote this whole thing that was so similar yeah. to Ed Gein's life and, and times. Well, I think, I think the, like the, that's some Psycho, stuff, Psycho right? has all, has a lot of the elements of the, the psychology of, of Gein. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't address, you know, the, the, you know, the, like it, it addresses dressing as his mother, yeah. but the really freaky stuff of body parts and yeah. skin, I think that that's, comes later on. If somebody had written Psycho, for the first time in like 1999, I think it would have had all those nipple belts and fucking tit vests and all this stuff. Yeah. Like it definitely would have. Because we were in the, and again, I'm going back to the zombie porn stuff, yeah. the, the absolute, you know, uh, societal trauma of the modern age. Uh, a lot of torture porn movies like Saw and Hostel. Yeah, and I don't like that. Final Destination. Like a lot of those all came out in the early 2000s at the same time as this kind of zombie apocalypse yeah. wish, like this wet dream of the world ending. And um, I think if Psycho had been written then, that they would have made a movie that would have had him out digging at nighttime and like sewing the fuck, cutting the, nip, cutting the nipples off, pulling it like... <laughs> Pulling them off, fucking sewing them all together. <laughs> Just like, you know, a montage of him, like, licking the thread and threading the needle and then putting it through the skin and seeing it in 4K, like, popping out through the other well, side. Inspir- of the an inspirational tune playing through the yeah, montage. Yeah, <laughs> You're the best <laughs> around. Like, it's fucking weird and sick and, you know. But I, 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 I mean. But I think Psycho was a, a much more of a psychological thriller. If they had made it like in the last twenty years, it definitely would have been a visceral, visual, yeah, uh, uh, torture. But I, part I, I, thing. I mean, I, I, I didn't find it particularly scary. But I did find, I did find it, it as a thriller more than a horror. Disturbing, to me. yeah. But I, I didn't like those those torture porn films. I think, I think they're ugly. Well, Leatherface, who was the star of uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like Gain, uh, uh, would use the skin of his victims as a face mask, and even decorated the house with bones. Yeah. And we talked about that earlier on that you were like, I'm not getting it. I don't feel that. I, I didn't particularly like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was a kid. I only kind of liked it afterwards. And when I was a, a grown ass man, yeah, it was a little bit easier to take that kind of violence. And I knew I could understand it before when I was a kid, you're watching the one from 74. I think it is about that. when you're watching that as like a 13 year old and you're like, yeah, let's watch this thing. And it's like, this is a bit boring. 
There's no one talking. There's just a bitch getting chased around the fucking house. Yeah, yeah. Up and down. This. Just leave that. Go out of the front. Go out the front door. I just run into the field. I know it's just a field, but hide in the bushes. Yeah. I'd much prefer to watch like interview with the vampire or, you know, something, something like a, like a horror movie. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just gore. Yeah. It was, it seemed, it seemed gratuitous. Uh, one movie that did disturb me though, as a kid, when I watched it yeah. was Silence of the Lambs. Right. Buffalo Bill is closely modeled around Gein as well. Uh, a cross-dressing, skin-collecting, lampshade-making psycho who uh, captures young, overweight girls and starves them in a pit so he can remove their skin and make a jacket or a coat or a nice chemise or a scarf or something. Yeah. He was all about it, you know. Um, very, very similar to Gein would, t- like, take the, the bits and bobs and make stuff out of it. And Thomas Harris, who said that Buffalo Bill, the Buffalo Bill character played by Ted Levine, uh, known as James Gum in the movie. Is that this, right? Did, yeah, this, yeah, this is where it, it gets, you mentioned, was Ed somewhere on the, the trans yeah. journey or spectrum. Could that have been something to do with it? But this fella, uh, Jane Gum, was it? Yeah, Gum, yeah. Seems to have been actually so- somewhere on the transgender side of things. Yeah, I think so. He, the character himself, yeah. was refused the transgender the procedure because they passed the psychological yeah. evaluation uh, so he wanted to make a woman suit for himself out of real women's skin and wear it so he could become a woman because they wouldn't let him it'd be interesting now if you if, uh, if that if, if that if that book was written now Silence of the Lambs and the, would, the film was made would it, that would, message is very negative and I think had a lot of yeah. left a lot of negative connotations in the minds of people that they think the transgender people are somehow, Psycho, you, know, you know, yeah, yeah. mentally disturbed, properly they mentally say, disturbed, and potentially dangerous slash yeah. evil. They say a lot of the times, like the the right uh, in media, they they get at kind of the left supporting trans transgender yeah. issues because they're saying like uh, gender dysphoria is in the DSM. It's in it's in the yeah. It's in as a as a psychological disorder. You don't actually think you're another gender. It's you're you're fucked up in the head, and the fact that you're putting that stuff on young kids and all is is you know abhorrent. Like that's the right line. I don't fully agree, but I don't I don't fully disagree. There are some elements of it that are maybe uh, overzealously um, imprinted on young people. But it's stuff like Silence of the Lambs that that didn't help. Didn't help that that narrative for a long time. It's know? like a, it's like a, a, a lot in the old days. A lot, a lot of, and it's it's like um, going back to like uh, Scar and the Lion King. But when somebody's evil, there's something wrong with them physically. Yeah. Or they're a closet homosexual. Yeah. Or in this case, they're a, a transgender who's been refused surgery. So like disability, ugliness, blackness, whatever you have in yourself, they've always been sort of okay. We need to other. The villain, somewhat. Not white, not American. For the longest time, the bad guys in movies were Russians. And then around the late 80s, early 90s, they turned into Arabs because obviously America yeah. was fighting in, yeah. Gulf, in the Gulf War. Uh, and, ne- and now it's changed back more more recently to, say, uh, Middle Europeans and Germans. Yeah. Do you know? Hans Gruber was the first uh, German bad guy in a really long time. And brought back this whole thing, and most recently now they've gone into ISIS terrorists. So it's always yeah. You know, True Lies is probably the first of the modern movies. Nineteen ninety ninety four. Ninety four was it? Brilliant film. Uh, True Lies 
was one of the first that had a terror, a Middle Eastern terrorist organization as the bad guys, because before that, it didn't really exist. And you know, you know, you know, I thought it was fun about True Lies. And I remember when I, I went to see when I went to see True Lies. Was it Jamie Lee Curtis stripping? Because yeah. that oh, was oh no, that was superb. When I, I thought I thought True Lies was a great film. Uh, do it, I'm, do Simon. Yeah, <laughs> do it slowly. Brown cow. <laughs> and uh, I think they I said they should stop making James Bond films now because this is just sort of going. You know, it's it's just funnier. Yeah, better action. But I remember do Art, a whole set of True Lies ones. Yeah, yeah. Art Art Malik was the chief villain in True Lies. Yeah. In 1994, but I think it was 1986. In Timothy Dalton's first outing as Bond, he was a Taliban or a Mujahideen hero coming yeah. into London to help James. Yeah, and that was the that That's was the politics of time. the time That's because they period. were fighting the Russians. Yeah. The Mujahideen were trained and fighting. The and effectively, he was probably he was, he was the same character in reality. But in 1986, 87, he was a hero fighting the bear. Yeah. Four eight years later, he's a he's, he's an arch villain. Yeah. That's a good observation. Yeah. It's very odd, like how how that's with there's a documentary called Real Bad Arabs, right? That basically shows the the timelines of those changeovers from uh, Russians, from like Germans in the fifties and sixties to seventies uh, and eighties being Russians, yeah, as the bad guys in movies, and then it changed into Arabs, and then it changed into Germans and Middle Europeans, right? And then now it's gone going back to ISIS, you know, like uh, uh, Islamic freedom fighters and stuff like that, yeah. It's a real weird, you know, up and down, like a real weird carousel to go around on, you know? Where are you on? Where are you? Uh, but yeah, so, so Gein, as a transgender, possibly, possibly yeah. as a transgender person, tr- trying to find himself dressing up in women's skin and then being, uh, I guess, fictionalized by Thomas Harris in uh, Silence of the Lambs. And it's, a, it's a direct thing. It, I think it did vilify, yeah, everyone knows that puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Mm. Like everyone knows that shit. Mm. And while Buffalo Bill, the character, seems to be this kind of um, ephemeral evil force all the way through the movie, yeah. and mostly it's Hannibal Lecter is, is remembered as being the bad guy in that movie, when really he's the hero. Yeah, He's yeah. the hero of that movie. Yeah, uh, Starling is just the function of Hannibal Lecter's will. Lecter, Lecter. Yeah. Lecter, <laughs> Lecter. Uh, can you hear them, Clarice? <laughs> it's still... Um, it's still Buffalo Bill at the end with his dick tucked under doing mm. the whole pulling back the fucking uh, dressing gown and all that stuff. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. this is weird. What is this? And he's a bad guy. He's murdering people. And in the minds of people in, like, when was Silence of the Lambs? 94, was it? Was it as well? No, it was sorry, earlier no, no. than that. 88, maybe. No, Silence of the Lambs. Actually, it might have been uh, 92 or something like that. It was very 90. early, early 90s. Yeah, 90s, 91, yeah. 92 maybe. So at that point, you're talking about the AIDS, AIDS is at its peak. And, and people, people are terrified are of homosexuals. Terrified, yeah. terrified. So it's already, a bad guy is already written into that. So if, if Gein does have the, the, the transgender vibes, it would, wouldn't be, you know, unheard of to, to vilify that then in a, yeah. in a time. It'd be easier to vilify somebody like that. I do think it did have some negative knock-on effects as we can see now by people saying that people who are transgender are suffering from a mental disorder rather than a, a genuine non-subjective neurological like but can i can i can i can i thing, can i make can i make can i make the most a really dangerous thing oh yeah like i mean i'm, I'm all for talking about it like uh, there's been just with the troll transgender thing it's like transgender is absolutely 100 percent the case in every case 
No, that's not true. No, but it's like that's that's. I the, don't think that's the, true. No, no, but that's the orthodoxy. Sure, yeah, because you have to believe so, everybody. Yeah, and and then somebody yeah. says, actually, transgenderism isn't real at all, and what what exists of it is a mental illness. You're a monster. Hundred percent agree with transgenderism, or hundred percent against it. Yeah, or you could say, actually, you know what? There's hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions, some of whom have a mental illness. Yeah, some of whom are transgender. And everywhere in between. But yeah. you, the orthodoxy is, no, nope, no such thing. Or, yes, it's absolutely 100%. And you can see that there is backlash over this because it's coming out so like so prolifically in that space where people are putting that message out and they have they have a big voice where you have these TERFs or trans-exclusionary radical feminists or saying yeah, like yeah. you can't take the word woman. I know you're listening to this probably in, in 2019, uh, yeah. people at home, but right now there's there's like a billboard that went up in England and they, and they got it taken down as hate speech because they were like, woman is this. They actually put up, they actually put up the Google dictionary definition of yeah. the word woman. Yeah. And uh, she was questioned by the police for hate speech. Yeah, it's it's where it's a weird thing, even now that people are still being vilified for that choice. And look, at, if you're a fucking thirty five year old man, and you feel your whole life that you you you, you want to be a woman, mm. and you're willing to go and pay, and you know, be be supported by yeah. whatever medical system is there. If you want to do it in the NHS, get your estrogen and get your 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 operations and do all that stuff. Fucking class, do that shit. Go for it, big time. But don't be given like seven year old boys you know, hormone, hormone repressants and stuff like that, because they, you know, they can't make their, and that's just the, me, the thing that's is, my personal opinion. Well, I agree Take with you. Take it as you like it. But the thing is, uh, you know, gender reassignment is medical. Yeah. Hasn't been proven yet to be effective or the right thing to do for you, for, especially for young people. Yeah. A lot of people say that there's a really high suicide rate and, and there's an, like a, a much higher unreported, uh, desire for reversal for people who get those treatments and stuff you don't like you that. won't hear about the i'm aware of a couple of cases do you want you don't that's that doesn't is go on the book so yeah. so not not in the narrative yeah but like you know so if generally so it's a medical thing right and if somebody goes up with a new med a new medicine or a new treatment and somebody goes i'm not convinced that this treatment or medicine is the right approach to this illness the other person will go, well, actually, this, 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 yeah. why, this, why. Okay, well, I think so because, but with this, it's like, okay, the medical stuff, I'm not sure. If, if somebody says, I'm not sure that this gender reassignment treatment, hate speech. Yeah. Sorry, what's that? Hate speech. This is the okay, thing I'll, just, I'll just step away. I'm not into that I'll today. I'll step away. I'm not into that today. Like, there's too much of that going on where you can't even have a chat about it. And the thing is, the thing that fucks me off the most, Gary, is that those people, as genuine or disingenuous as they as they are or want yeah. to be, like I'm, if somebody is like in their t- t- late teens, in their twenties, thirties, and they're like, "I am not the body that I am. I want to change." Yeah. I'm like, "Fucking high five is what do you need?" If the people who are making those rules and changing those rules and compelling me to to behave or act or co- coalesce or, or yeah. you know acquiesce to to fucking child abuse or doing all these kind of things, if that is the case, and people are doing that stuff. Mm. And you're not allowed to talk about it. You are already excluding a bunch of people that you need to agree with you. Yeah. So there's a load of straight people, cis, you know, cis people who... Cis is like Prosecco. I never heard the word <laughs> this about three years ago. Yeah. Cis gendered people who are, you know, the norm that need to know what's going on. They may not agree with you. Yeah. 
but telling them that they're wrong from the outset already excludes them from the conversation and makes you an enemy to them and them an enemy to you. This is where this is where this is where, this is where these people are, are going to screw themselves up, right? It's like, okay, let's say it's one of these SJWs, whatever. Okay, they've been. I've I as an SJW have been thinking about this issue for maybe several years. Reading the I've, literature, yeah. looking at the, the scientific studies. I've come to this. I've come to this position, and now I'm going to turn around to you, and for the first time, I'm going to introduce the concept. And when you say, "Oh, really? I'm not so sure about that." Hey, speech. Yeah. So, the, agree with me now. Agree with me immediately, or you're hate speech, or fascist. Ac- acquiesce to my superior knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Or. You're a you're a, a Nazi, a Nazi, yeah, literally it it a member of the National Socialist Deutsche Arbeiter Partei. Yeah, it doesn't work. But thing is, it, it's, these people don't need it to work. They don't want it to work. No, because they, they have it one on their side, and yeah. if there's no opposition, yeah, you know, remove the chance for opposition, and you automatically win. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of work there to be done, and looking at at stuff like. Gein and we can't accuse Ed Gein of having, being a social justice warrior. Wait, in fairness, but not having not having that question put forward when you talk about the Gein case, like was he a repressed well, transgender? When you, when, you, when, you, when you said that, I tell you, I'm telling you what, I, I'm I'm actually wondering will people now accuse you of hate speech? I don't care. No, but I'm, I'd be, I hope they I do. Willing, I'd be curious. I'm willing to verbally box anyway. I'm good. Yeah, but like, but no, if, just if he was the knee jerk of it is i think then it should definitely be examined <laughs> and uh, and if they don't i mean it's grand it's a fucking 70 or 80 year old set of crimes mm. but if that dude was transgender and he was repressed by his mother to have to have it come out in the public sphere that that's what happened or that's what it was that makes the case would, for treatment it would yeah absolutely further vilify transgender people because they're like well if you don't let them do what they want they're going to make a belt out of nipples yeah you know, and maybe they're just like, look, let's just fucking brush this under the carpet. And he was odd as a cod from the start. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Tell all about it, those conspiracy guys. Um, very quickly then, to get over all of this stuff, we get off the fence here at the end, Gary. We just ask you to succinctify the points, to find out exactly where you sit. I'll give you an either or question, okay. and you're like, I okay. think this. So, off the fence, was Ed Gein's mother primarily responsible for his poor state of uh, mental health and, and social acuity was she solely responsible for it or was he just an odd cunt that was further made odd by his mother's bad behaviour because they lay a lot of blame at the feet of uh, uh, Augusta well, the, fa- the father seems to have got off lightly here all we know is he drank and died well he died at 66 and she died at 67 so it's not that far away exactly so you know we're all, we're all looking at Augusta and it, 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 it's also the narrative the mother the mother the yeah. mother we don't know what the father was, but on the evidence of what we've been looking at, Augusta must surely get a uh, twenty-five percent of his royalties at least. At least, yeah. So you think that she definitely was uh, a, a big like she shouldn't be totally um, let off with the, the oh, responsibility absolutely, of, absolutely of turning not. him into a, a, a weirdo. Not. Okay, but then what turned her? What turned her into that weirdo? That's what I'd like to find out. And I that's, don't think yeah, that's on the books. I don't think you're going to find much on that. Did Ed Gein? Gary Lynch answered this off yes. the fence. Did Ed Gein kill his brother and try to cover it up by setting fire to the marshes, uh, but it didn't burn the body, so he didn't get away with it? Yes. For Shizzle, no no question. For Shizzle, for either for to, to get his mother to himself or thinking ahead. not Selling the, the land. Selling the land. Get rid of the brother. I don't have to work. I can spend all my time making me lamps. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Spend me time. Spend my time. Because that shit doesn't fucking happen by itself, you know. There's work. That's what I keep saying. to work in that, like, to yeah. turn someone's head into a, into a, an ornament. Yeah. In fact, there was someone on the radio earlier on tonight about that, they making housework count as a part of GDP for the statistics. Okay. And I think Ed's nipple belt is probably... Maybe chalk it down. Yeah. I don't think housework should be part of GDP. No, they do, they do count as part of GDP. Well, no, they want to start counting as part of GDP because it's activity. I know, but... It's, they're, called, they're calling it economic activity. Okay. It's more consumption than production, though. It's not domestic products. Well, they're talking about, they're talking about making the beds. Right. You know, the, the actual work of home. So whether you're a man or a woman or whatever, if you we'll put an economic value on work done in the home, not to pay it. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. to say, okay, we'll quantify this. I think they said 12 grand a year. It, yeah, it's just Something the, like that. Just to bump up the numbers to look well, better what, when you go down to e, the EU and Brussels that's, that's and what, go. That's exactly what it is. But I mean, if we if we I think we'd you should be worried about before they start putting uh, statistics on the work that's done inside the home. Let's work on making sure that everybody has a fucking home first. Yeah, you're communist. I'm. I'm saying let's. There let's, is no housing crisis, by the way. Let's work on. Let's work on this, the mental health, the drug addiction. That's that's and the choices and. <laughs> The refusals of perfectly good homes because they're not next to me, ma. Let's work on that stuff first. There's social stuff needed to be fixed. Yeah. In a place that doesn't really have a crisis. There's an artificial what economic the, situation what being is, made it's, it's a deliberate transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich. Yeah. There is no such thing as a housing crisis yeah. in uh, in Ireland. They just says, let's not build houses for a few years. Let's... For... for Economic gains. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, and the, and the reason why the no government will fall over this is because the people who actually own their houses are, 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 the are, are very happy with this. Or they're, uh, part of the media as well. Well, not that they own the media. No, you're, you're an average citizen. They're going, okay, my house has gone up in value from 2010. I was nothing. I was a negative equity. Mm. Now my house has gone back up to, you know, getting up towards, uh, boom levels. And so, uh, it's a few thousand people. I don't know. It's always the people that have nothing to say around doing the, doing the shouting, right? And the thing is, the, the, there aren't enough people who are homeless to have any political yeah. power because everybody who owns the gaff is seeing the value of their home going up. It's hard to argue with it when you're making and money. A, right? And, and it's, a, it's, 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 it's a silent conspiracy between the government, who are quite happy for house prices. People are wealthier, people are wealthier. And for the landlords, chairs and all that rent, people that they're looking for 1,500 quid for, to, for a shared bed they need those people seeing the homeless people. They need to be taught, look, look, if you look, don't, if you don't pay. Look what the alternative is. Yeah. You will pay me a grand to share that bedroom. There is, a, there is a conspiracy behind it. I, I, I look forward to looking into it. Yeah. Uh, when the shit is starting to really hit the fan. Yeah. I'm going to be out there with cameras trying to Big talk to some people. Um, so off the fence then about uh, Bernice. Bob and, Bernice, yeah, she's uh, going to take a lot of blame. And, but it, the, the da and Horma, I don't know. It, it, for Bernice, the, the woman in the hardware store. Yeah. Did Ed kill her by accident and use her death as a fortuitous, you know, uh, acquisition of a body to go and do the head thing and do all the stuff to get a live body, a fresh body finally? Or did he go into that hardware store to purposefully kill her? The the odd thing is, you know, the, the chances of somebody's going and digging up bodies and actually murdered somebody a few years previously, accidentally shooting somebody, that seems a bit of a stretch. Yeah. But there wasn't a lot of other body parts back there back in the gaff no he, he may actually I, I I don't think he's sort of 
accidentally shot her while trying to buy a gun. I think I like your theory that she started um, maybe getting all sexy, getting all sexy, like, or getting all sassy, and maybe that's what spurred him on. I, I suspect he didn't go in there with the intention of killing her. I don't think so. I think either. he wanted some antifreeze. I think he went in for the antifreeze. He was going at the gun. He was rubbing the barrel, and she was like, "Oh, you're rubbing that barrel, fair nice." And he's like, "No, don't listen. My, I'm just after burying my mother. Don't be fucking annoying me now. I'm in grief, and you're being yeah. inappropriate." And it, 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 I don't think he shot her, but I think he might not have yeah. pointed the gun away when so, he yeah. pulled the trigger by accident. I, I think, I think, I think what happened there was something happened that he ended up killing her. Yeah, I don't think he went in to kill her. I don't think so either. Yeah, I shot the clerk. It's real that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> there's not really much to get off the fence about the about the the awful things that he made, like uh, leggings made from legs, <laughs> and the soup balls made from the tops of human skulls. You never see this stuff coming up on Flog It, do you? you no, know, Etsy antiques road trip or anything. Yeah, like that. I found I found a a gain skull. So do you, do you think that there should have been more maybe more oversight uh, when graves were being dug up? Because obviously he's digging them up, taking the bodies. They're filling the graves back in again, and nobody's questioning if those bodies are in those graves. Like, how how would they know what's going on though? Till it, it, till it, they know. That's what I mean. Is it very hard? Like, should there have been more put in place to stop that from happening, or was that a thing you can't you can't stop? You can't. Like, you so can't. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like broken hair. That's gone on for years. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't criticize that. Um, so when he was in jail, he was diagnosed with having schizophrenia pretty quickly, and he was thrown into the high security mental hospital. Yeah. Do you think he got away easy, or no, I think was I, he genuinely I psychologically think, yeah. un- unwell? I don't think he got away easy, and uh, you, you see, in all you see in all these, you know, these uh, films about vigilantes and all that stuff. That oh, he's got an awful insanity. This guy's clearly insane. Clearly, and you can see his background. So yeah, I I, I don't think he could off lightly. I think he. You think he genuinely wasn't saying he wasn't just faking it? No, I don't, it, playing no. playing country dumb t- to get out of the chair. No, I, I I I I would I would think he was genuinely insane. Cool, and then uh, the inspirations behind some of our uh, most famous horror movies. Do you think that they may be, let's say, uh like making Gein out to be a hero that they are maybe exalting him to a to a status that he shouldn't have because let's not forget he was making furniture and lampshades and chairs out of people's skin like they're putting them into stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it's all like oh it's a big romp and they made seven of those movies like and yeah. they have your man on posters not you wouldn't put a Ed Gein's face on a fucking poster. So why? I see. I don't make a movie about. I don't. I don't, like, I don't think they exalt them or make them heroes, but they just they do make them cultural icons. And these guys don't need to be made heroes. Being a cultural icon is 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 great for them. Yeah. And Ed probably didn't get to see much telly. Well, Ed, Ed, he, he was alive for a long time, yeah. and I'd say he got to see the movies that were made about him. Yeah. He definitely got to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Anyway, I definitely got to see Psycho. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because that was only made a, a, a few years. It probably wouldn't show Psycho in, in the the facility he was in, though. Yeah, maybe. Realistically. But I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Mendota uh, psychological or psychiatric uh, containment yeah, unit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, this our Friday a, movie. This is a, a training film. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's uh, psycho followed by and then and then Ed 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 ruins for everybody uh, followed I, I by Fight you, Club Ed ruins for everybody I bet his man's dead really 
Shut up, Ed. <laughs> nah, I'm telling you, she's uh, dead. Spoilers. Exactly, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit mad. Um, so yeah, Ed Gein, uh, uh, psycho, psycho, like a, a terrible upbringing, an awful life, psychological disorder that manifested in, in a yes. made out of nipples. Yes, I would, I would say uh, Ed was a... Uh, he wasn't evil. He was just... Well, you know, the thing is, I think that there's... I think everybody's evil, but yeah, most a people... Bit. A little bit. And so I, I think, actually here, maybe... Saying somebody's insane doesn't mean he's not evil. Let's say everybody's got evil in them, but managed to keep a lid in there. Maybe insane people don't bother keeping a lid in the just evil. Don't have a lid, and just the evil comes out. So maybe, the, maybe insanity doesn't replace evil. Maybe it just unleashes it and says, "You know what? The thing in all of us that tries to make us be not evil. Hey, I don't have that. Now I'm going to unleash my evil side for fun or whatever." There you go. I think we're going to leave it on that. That's that's something to think about when you're going home tonight. In the dark. From work, in the dark. <laughs> that some lad just took the fucking lid off it. Uh, this has been Those Conspiracy Guys. If you want to get in contact with us about anything, uh, we, we might have got some stuff wrong. We might have left some stuff out. We might have put too much in. I don't really know. Get on to me. Let me know. Hit me up. Info at thoseconspiracyguys.com. We're on all the social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, Reddit, Vero, Snapchat. Fucking anything that has a thing on it, we have a thing on it. Bebo? Uh, Bebo. We have a Bebo. We have a MySpace. We have a... Rate my uh, teacher. Every <laughs> yeah. We have a, a e profile. Um, yeah, so get on to me uh, any, anywhere you have social media uh, and let me know. We do have a Discord server. So there's a wonderful... A community of people over there, super fans over in the Discord server. And if you're a GoFundMe or a Patreon subscriber, you got to be on that shit. And uh, the people who are making this possible, they're watching this live on YouTube right now. And you can go and watch this or any other episode on YouTube uh, on video, Joe Rogan style, uh, by donating to Patreon.com. So Patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys gets you all the behind the scenes stuff, exclusive videos, early access to any bits and bobs that we have going on here, as well as outtakes from the show. And like I said, all the access to all of the uh, exclusive uh, Patreon content that we're making here. If you want to get in contact, like I said, info at thoseconspiracyguys.com. And uh, all it leaves me to do is say thank you so much to my wonderful guest. It's been so long and we'll have to have a social meeting before we Defo. before we go away. Uh, Gary Lynch, everybody, actor, comedian, improviser, and uh, all around Ed Gein, super fan. <laughs> Eddie. Uh, Eddie. Hit the soap, Eddie. He, he, Gary wanted to make a, a set of braces out of um, out of scrotum skin <laughs> and do that thing that Tommy Ball used to do. Like that. Um, so thanks very much, Gary, for joining us. If you want to get Thank in touch you. with Gary, at Gary Lynch Dublin, uh, you can find him on Facebook and he's on Instagram as well somewhere. I'm going to find out the links and everything I just mentioned are in the description below. That was Ed Gein. This has been Those Conspiracy Guys. My name is Gordo. My name is Gary. Has been and remains. And remains to be. Uh, And we'll see you again next time. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye-bye.